Oh my god! I know, I don't know. I guess they came to see someone else. No, the word's just getting out, that's all. Yeah, I... I just, I've been loving it so much, I don't want it to change. It won't. You have me. I won't let ya. Uh, well, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about it and the people not hearing the words. You don't need the fist for survival. Is that perfume? Yeah, do you like it? Uh, do I have to? Uh-oh. Oh, I, I like your smell. I miss it. How's work? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it unless it's good. Good rule. Let's go. All right, Trek. Philly cheese, what are you cramming? You don't want to know. No, I don't. Fortunately for you, I already do. Rule of adult life, never talk about work unless it's good. Puke. Hey. Hey. So, do you know what happened for the first time in this sleeping bag? Hmm, I have no idea. Well, months ago. Twelve. Twelve months. <laughs> Look at us, keeping warm for an entire year. I'm not a loser. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm trying things, right? By the time I'm your age, you're old as fuck, I'm gonna be the CEO of a bank, you know? I'm gonna be making like 120,000 or more in like two years. What are you doing with your life? No, my mom would kick your mom's fucking ass. My mom is dead. Do you want a hug or something? All right, sure. Wait, no, no, yeah, not too close. All right, you're very warm. All right, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I get that. I used emoticons. Give me my phone. Okay. We have the same dad. Yeah, we're brothers. Please okay. give me my phone. And even though we're not brothers, I want to teach you how to live. Lesson. No, no, no. Wait, no, what no, are you microwave. doing? Microwave. Put it in. What? No, 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 no. I've just been here longer. If it makes you feel any better. Every single person outside in all of those buildings, every light and every window contains someone going through this exact thing. Tyler Morrow. How are we doing? Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> the second time's the charm, third time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we, uh, we were fixing some of our electrical problems at the house on the first stream, so we had to power everything off. But we got to go out to the back and have some great conversations on metaphysics. I think you could host some of these out there. It was so serene. His I backyard is doing it. Yeah. Thing. And the little he's got this little fountain next to the table. It's beautiful like that. Very zen, serene, yeah. Super super zen. Yeah. And Yeah, we were crushing it on those convos. It's just there's a lot of the equipment to bring out there yeah. and to move it back and forth. But for example, a lot of Oprah's Super Soul Sundays 
videos uh-huh. are outdoors at her massive venue. Backyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's a pretty good aspiration is to take the convo out into as nice it is is being in a living room with a with fireside chat fireside chat style yeah. man to be out there with those birds chirping oh yeah and that, that zen, i'm telling you that fountain that makes fountain, makes uh, game a whole bunch uh, it was helping me it was helping me exactly. keep up he's hard to keep up with people so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so Kyle Shadow introduced us. Yeah. Super grateful. Kyle, yeah. He's the Hell best. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a genius. And you guys have been collaborating together on some projects. And also you, one of those pieces of footage was on Evan Bliss's rooftop, which was funny. Yeah, so it's funny. You've had Kyle and Zeb and Evan on. And actually, yeah. I've, I've introduced all of them to, e- to each other, funny enough. So I brought Kyle to Zeb, and then they moved in together. I've known Evan for a long time, uh, since right after he moved here. And I introduced... Him to Kyle and him to Zeb a while back. So, so Whoa. I got jealous. I was like, when's, when's my turn? Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> so you are the connecting node amongst yeah, I guess. Kyle to Zeb and also uh, Evan. Evan to, to Zeb and, and Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. yeah. I'm the, I'm the through line there. That's great. Yeah. There's yeah. great people. Hell Very yeah. lucky to have hell, them. Hell yeah. On the super connecting. There. Yeah, that's exactly. Great. So Tyler has 10 plus films where he's had a principal role in and as we got to see in that reel a moment ago we're going to unpack acting filmmaking tyler kind of has this ability to be like a jedi and navigate all of the different tones and all of the different different presences that are being asked by the writers for him to be able to channel and that is a very good skill set. It's kind of like Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors from the biblical stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And in that first session, what we were talking about before we had to cut it short was that Tyler made this comparison where he said that each one of these productions is like its universe. Yeah. And like here we have our, you know, math and physics and our story that is being told here, our spirituality, all this type of stuff. And each one of these productions has their own tone and their own essence that they want the actors and the actresses to be able to portray. Yeah, I, th- I think the best way to approach it as an actor is like a behavioral law of physics, right? So the in a certain project that might be darker in tone, in in that in that world, people aren't going to be lighthearted, and people aren't gonna, aren't going to be low stakes with everything. Everything's going to be heightened, higher stakes, uh, yep. you know. And and the situation's going to match. And then usually, what happens in comedy is that there's an asymmetry. So you have someone that has these heightened heightened stakes over something as innocuous as a cell phone, or or the world around them is just blowing up. It's insane, and they're kind of just the normal guy. Those are kind of the two comedies that you typically see. Um, are ordinary people in extraordinary worlds or ordinary worlds with extraordinary people. Wow. Okay. That's such a cool way to put it. So like the drama is like the heightened sense in an ordinary world of like this scenario that might, which we'll portray in the next video. Yeah. The next one's more of the drama side of my body of work. And then the, the, the extraordinary sort of asymmetry that occurs where somebody is very kind of 
relaxed while somebody else is super heightened about that's comedy yeah well and you can you can um with the one on bliss's rooftop it's the one it's a little i shot it on my t3i i think no Uh, anyway it's the it's the one where i'm wearing the tie for the for the audience that one you kind of have that they're both kind of heightened characters but i would say my character is more the everyman in the situation and the other guy's kind of the like bigger explosive lunatic and uh, ideally that's kind of where the comedy is created you know is is the juxtaposition of these two and they have to deal with each other like um jason bateman is like he's always the everyman guy like in curb your enthusiasm he's the normal person trying to rein in the crazy world around him yeah 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 Yeah. it's exciting for me to unpack the knowledge that you now have from eight years now in the acting and filmmaking here in Los Angeles. So was it born and raised in Colorado and Pueblo? Yeah. Yeah. Southeast Colorado. I think people, when they hear Colorado, they think Aspen, think Kansas. It looks a lot more like Kansas, small town. And, um, I guess if we're getting into it, the, the first thing, that hit me, I can remember, where I was like, I want to do that. Funny enough was the Rugrats movie. There's this scene with the brothers in the rain, and the older brother has this jealousy because it's the new baby and all that. I'm like, embarrassing myself This is here. great. I love this So Rugrats I start crying, movie. dude. I'm like this little kid. I start crying, and I get addicted to that, to crying to the Rugrats movie. And I think that was the first like thing where it's like, oh, that's what I want to do. Whatever this is doing to me, that's that's what I want to do. Oh, for other people. Right. Or just in general. Or just or, in general. Yeah. Say, yeah. And I think that's why I prefer acting um, to, to the other ones is because only only one person gets to actually like live in it. You know, I mean, the writer does and they get to create it. But the, the actor is the one that gets to dress up like a pirate and run around and just be a lunatic, you know. Yeah, so that's, exactly. I think that's the biggest appeal for me, you know, is yeah. getting to live just to play pretend for a living. Yeah. 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 Which is what this is on like a metaphysical level as well. Yeah. This in many ways is, as Shakespeare said, actress and actresses that are all taking their role on the right. Stage. All the world's a stage. All the world's a stage. And then similarly, now it's just like as above, so below. Now you do it. <laughs> as well in the, yeah on top of that top yeah of that. i must be you know i think that uh my my going theory is that like life is kind of like a video game in essence like if you have a that if if there's you know if you believe in the immortal soul the mortal soul gets bored of being immortal and all-knowing and creates life and existence to kind of occupy itself for a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so I must be like really addicted to it because I chose that game and then I love games and then I play pretend, uh, you know, as a, as a living. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's the best. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. And also just, uh, the journey that you go on pursuing it is insane. It's, it's hard and it's, it's rewarding. So that, that part's the best too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, the we were talking about this outside also. Leela in Sanskrit, the divine play. And that is in very many ways what this this non-dual, not two enigma mystery is up to, is these divine plays that are unfolding and that 
we get the the playful the more that we carry a childlike play and innocence and peace and mm, bliss i'm feeling the shivers man yeah the more we keep in that as our essence the more in a sense we are with the if you will the the spirit of the formless of that unmanifested of that source or that god and that as these expressions of that we get to actualize all these different roles and and that's the thing you know they don't they they don't call it a play for no reason you're so it's supposed to be really fun it's you know fun. and that sense of that sense of play is something that's really important to me and i try to act on all the time you know like if you go out to nature especially you can feel it if you allow if you allow your imagination to kind of take control and that's something that the the practice of acting is really good as it teaches you to let your imagination do it you know i think the older we get the more we're supposed to push down these these wild imaginations and the more we're supposed to live in the real world and put on the tie and, you know, get the house and get the kids and all that. And all that stuff's great and it has its own rewards. But that sense of play is something that is just so important to me. And I think that's a, a lesson that everyone could learn from that childlike wonderment. It's the, exactly. it's when you can, you can feel it a lot with nature in particular, yep. if you're like just play in the ocean exactly. or, dance like a fool or I love the mountains. Obviously I'm from Colorado. Why wouldn't I? And I love like running around the mountains and telling myself these crazy stories in my head. I love telling yeah. myself these stories. Oh, there's a guy, he's got a gun, he's after you, you know? So I, I turned that Ill illness into a, into a <laughs> skill, <laughs> into an instrument. But I, that's something that just, it drives me. It's just my favorite thing to do is just to let that run wild, the imagination. Yeah. That's why it's called Imagineering at Disney, right? Yeah, this is exactly. This is, it's so important that the childlike explorative imagination is not quelled by the economic machinery mm -hmm. that sort of indoctrinates children into separation and into ego and into pursuit of money and yeah material objects material. yeah exactly exactly and the more that we sort of let the child's imagination roar the more that they are able to provide solutions to many of the greatest challenges that we face as a planet as well yeah and that's something that is really great about movies in particular if you think about it the the iphone was on star trek in the 60s so because you don't have to abide by any of this real world bs when you make something up you, you can actually end up solving problems that haven't even come up yet. You know, uh, I, I, you see a lot in films right now, people are filmmakers, writers, screenwriters in particular are wrapping their head around the idea of climate change, this impending doom that is very real. And some of these movies are coming up with solutions. Who knows, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, they actually might have to implement these solutions that people are coming up with in fictitious work. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, yeah. That's a really critical part of filmmaking and writing in general is to, as you create art, it's actually most principled in art in general as the most umbrella term we can say here, that 
whether you're writing a book or music or film or whatever it is, that the more that you're expressing the truest essence of what you're here to express at the same time as communicating something of wisdom, of value, of Mm -hmm. relevancy, of solutions, of insight to maximize well-being or prosperity or abundance for society that's kind of like the sweet point of art yeah on a on a societal level i think art can also impact you on a personal level totally one for me was like goodwill hunting in particular um it, it, it that's a that's a film where i think anyone who watches it gets the sense that you're not alone you know in a really intimate way we're really cut off we live in our own worlds in fact, even the family unit is kind of disappearing as it becomes. So you're you're seeing people that are really, really isolated to themselves. So that's something that art does to me that's really impactful is I'll, I'll see something and it'll be so vulnerable and so true to life. The more specific you get, the more broad it is. Everyone knows that, right, with art. But the more the more that someone's putting their heart and soul into it, that affects you. That shows you you're not alone, and that's that's in a sense an act of unity, which I think we do need. Our square footage gets bigger, and our friends groups get smaller every year. Yeah, and a massive measure of happiness is how many close friends you have at the end oh, of yeah. your life. Another sort of way to approach um, talking about this is sort of unpacking for us the essence of what it was like making the move out here. So, you know, the Rugrats movie and getting excited and yeah, then yeah, like, yeah. and then like, you know, at 17, making the move out here. I was saying that I moved to Silicon Valley when I was 19 myself. And it's important for people to sort of hear about these like leaps of faith that Mm -hmm. people take and just to hear yours and then sort of those early formulations when you first landed here about getting your first gig. So walk us through that. Okay, so I'll take it back just a little um, I see the Rugrats movie. I go, I want to do that. I started working with a local theater, a couple of them, but one one in particular. A bunch of years there, and I'm talking to all these older people, all these adults, you know, in a tribal sense. So I end up going to this art high school in Denver, the Denver School of Arts. It's a great school. And I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm 17, and I'm like, I'm not going to graduate until I'm 19. Then, you know, even if I go to Juilliard, which is like, as great as it gets, I get out of there, what, like 24. So I'm hitting LA with no credits. So, and I didn't want to do that. Sorry. I'm like way ahead of myself. So I call my mom and I was like, if I got accepted into a college, would you be okay with me moving to LA? And she was like, of course, because she never thought that would happen. So I came out here, I auditioned for a couple schools. First one that accepted me, I got my GED that weekend, threw everything in my car and drove out here and then went to that school for about a year. And then we were on that interim period from year to year. So in that time, I went out and I got an agent. I booked a short film and then I booked There's Many Like Us. Uh, 
and you're not supposed to be working when you're at the school. You're not supposed to be auditioning. So they call me. They're like, are you, you know, uh, are you coming back for the second year? And I was like, I really can't. I have all these schedule conflicts. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was just like this wild ride of auditions and then obviously working bartender stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then not having to because you got some ad and you think that you're when you. When you get your first TV spot, you think that it's just going to happen over and over and over again endlessly. So you just quit your job and you're just like, I got 15 grand. It'll last me forever. And then you wake up broke one day. So it's been it's been a crazy journey <laughs> in that way. But the for me, I was really lucky to get that support. Right. Even with that caveat. So they were really helpful with me to that. They helped me with the whole move. My parents and um and the leap of faith, I didn't feel that as much. I didn't feel like it was a hard decision to make. I felt like it was the only decision to make. Amen. Is the, yep. I didn't have any other exactly. option in my head. Yeah. There's no plan B, baby. Yeah, exactly. There's only the plan A. Figure, figure it out as you go, I guess. Yeah. Um, Would it be fair to say that most of the dynamics of especially kind of Los Angeles are that style of, you know, applying for the auditions yourself to start and then mm -hmm. going to these different casting calls where you're performing what is being asked of you in a role. Yeah. And then, yeah, getting a green light, you're like, yes, you know, whether it's an ad or whatever it is, and then getting some sort of maybe chunk of change, mm -hmm. but simultaneously having to work another gig. Oh, yeah. To be able to get by. Oh, yeah. And so the sort of process of thinking that, yeah, it's just going to keep rolling in. Doors do open. It they do open, but it's not so like sudden that it's exponential no immediately it takes a really while yeah you do like you know and i'm not the i've run into if you work at a restaurant for 10 minutes here you'll meet a thousand actors that all work with you and it's it, it happens to a lot of people you book this one ad it's five figure check you're like that was a day work for five figures i'm set and then not, it doesn't happen again you know and the yeah, so that was something I did. I was like, no, I can ride yeah. this all the way. I've got this string of string of gigs. And that was a hard lesson to learn. I kind of wish yeah. I'd just kept working and bought a house, you know? <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, but it's it's not that uncommon. I think a lot of people, when they get that first big check, they think it's, okay, now it's happening. I put in the work, and it, the work just doesn't end. So then... Is it also fair to say that usually after you get one of those first gigs that then you are looking for a manager and an agent? Oh, I would. How I mean, long if, does it take to get that in motion? Like approximately when does that happen? You should be trying to do it all the time. All the time. So as right soon from, as you right hit from the, the beginning. Yeah. Okay. If, um, you know, if uh, what you, what you want to do uh, is get good headshots and they cost right now about like 600, $700 for about three good pictures, yeah. but it's worth the money. Um, you want to get a demo reel. The cheapest way to go about it is to book student films 
And then as soon as you have those two things, screw your resume, screw it all. You should just be emailing tons of agents. Yeah. You want you want to be represented as soon as possible. Yeah. And and uh, you know you, you usually want to have the manager and the agent. And if the agent gets you the big gig, it's worth the twenty five percent. Yeah. You should just that should be a massive priority, or at yeah. least it was for me, and it worked out well. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. So, headshots and demo reel. Yeah, and that's, what do you what do you put in your demo reel if you just whatever footage you have? I mean, um, do you like go out and like do something and like have the student capture that, and then you go and do something else and have the student capture that, and then just stitch so all these together? If you're in LA, you've got these great film schools, and part of their curriculum is to make student films, right? To make films as projects, so submit for as many of those as possible. It's actually great. It's the safe place to practice the audition process especially so you don't make an ass of yourself in front of like casting directors which i'm sure i did i feel like i kind of jumped the gun um but yeah submit for everything that you can as soon as you have any footage you should be sending it to agents i believe um as soon as you have any footage uh my first reel when i came out here i did some stuff with some kids from the colorado film school was horrible it's yeah. horrible, yeah. but it got me the rep, and then the rep gets you the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the rep is the agent. The agent, yeah. 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 So someone that represents you. Yeah, yeah. rep, representative. Cool. Yeah, your agent, you cool. know, the person that's throwing you at every yeah. wall, seeing what sticks. Exactly, seeing what or sticks. Or your manager. Like, yeah. Yeah. So explain also the difference between the agent and the manager. Um, it used to be It used to be a lot bigger of a difference um a manager they're gonna have a smaller client list uh it's a different license believe it or not they're all licensed it's like regulated uh it's a different license um a manager you should typically you should typically expect like more hands-on care and take care of you a little bit more they're gonna probably have a little more input on your materials and stuff and uh Broadly speaking, they're probably gonna fight for you a little harder than an agent's going to. An agent usually has like hundred clients, hundred plus, and manager typically has like fifty at the high end. So that's the main thing, is just more attention and care. And if you don't have an agent, a manager's one of their big jobs is to help you get that agent. That's like what they're kind of expected to do. Yeah. And then the manager's taking like ten percent and the agent's taking twenty or something? Yeah, it's all negotiable. Um a manager uh, it's more typical for a manager to get 15% and an agent to get 10%. And then agent usually only gets a commission on something they get you. And depending on your contract, a manager might get a percentage of everything you do. Yeah. But that's all, it's all negotiable, you know, just yeah. like any cool. agent relationship. And there, are they like multiple year long commitments or what is it like? I mean, so you have a bail usually. So some of them will make you sign a contract. Just depends. I'm not, currently in contract with either we're just working together yep. um if they do make you sign a contract it's like a year to two years okay uh and but you have a 90 day bail period if you don't get work within 90 days you don't like the thing you can bail yeah yeah you're not locked in unless they get you work exactly yeah. yeah yeah cool interesting and so then what was it like first you're putting yourself out there and then mm -hmm. the agent is putting you out there afterward. 
that's usually that was the process for yeah you yeah the beginning and then sort of you should never stop putting yourself out there, out either. there. yeah you, the, there there are opportunities that are put out for actors almost every day you should, i think you should yeah. chase those too you know just to yeah save yourself some time not saying i always have i used to just wait for the phone to ring but now i chase it down there are even facebook groups that have leads and stuff you can just chase stuff all day yeah one of the biggest auditions i had last year was a great part and then ultimately get it but i found the dude on facebook and like he was like yo can i audition for this movie yeah he was like yeah yeah he was he was open to it yeah so yeah there's like this we'll probably touch on this throughout as well but the parable of the prodigal son is so profound here because in a sense when we invest our time in going on the outward exploration that if we haven't done this inner work if we haven't god realized if we haven't recognized that we are that expressing itself eternally and that this is just one manifestation in form of what that is that what we do is we egoically go outward we go outward as a separate entity seeking something that is missing mm-hmm. and we also seek conspicuous consumption and fame and all these other things versus if you really do the inner work first it's almost like an effortless action on the way out so it's kind of like this balance between you almost know at an intuitive level that's just coming through you naturally when to kind of yin in a sense and versus yang pursue oh i see right and so for these acting gigs or for this show in many ways for the people to interview and all this stuff right now i'm in a very like yin state with the show because i'm still kind of hammering out some of the final touches of non-duality and consciousness that i'm sort of putting into a lot of the visualizations as we were talking about the back and so that's sort of acting as the foundational frameworks is another biblical story where it's about the building your and this is very related to the parable of the prodigal son where you're you're building your house foundation after you've went all the way to rock versus building it on sand which is when the flood comes and then wipes away the house but the one yeah. on the rock is steady and that's when you go inward first everything you do outward has nothing to do with seeking does nothing to do with seeking only the ignorance seek what's already there but it remains for you to recognize it. But what you're doing instead is you're literally just acting as a beautiful channel of the natural expression that it is. Not seeking greed, not seeking fame. Yeah, kind of definitely. Stuff. Yeah. You know, I think I think that that might be one of the things that separate people that stick around and people that leave. Yep. Is the is that if if uh if getting an audition is enough to make you happy for the day because you can express yourself that way, you're probably in the right business, you know, or you're probably the right type of person to be in the business. You know, um, I, I've gone through, actually, it might be something like being happy is what you are fundamentally, right? 
And then whether you get auditions or not does not affect the internal peace and happiness. Yeah, I'm still working on that. (laughs) But let me tell you this. Uh, I'll tell you this. Happiness breeds success. Success does not breed happiness is is one way I've heard it. Like happiness, happiness precedes success. And I think that one of the great lies we're told by society is that happiness proceeds success. And that's the similar with that parable of the prodigal son is that you really find that well of honey that's under the rock first. Yeah. And then you go out effortlessly to express yourself. It's funny. I've, I've People had are seeking the well of honey externally. I've had I've, I bounce back and forth. I'm working on it. Um, I there have been periods in my life where it's just stuff's coming in and I couldn't be happier. You know, and it, and it is effortless then, you know, when things, it, yeah, there's, I've had that where it's just felt effortless and your, great things are happening left and right. And your greatest test is going to be that peace and bliss and childlike innocence, like we were talking mm-hmm. about at your quote, most worst times. Yeah. And so it's not to see everything as one homogenous blob. But it's to come from that place of childlike innocence, peace, bliss, and play and exploration. Leela, the mm-hmm. divine play. Yeah. And if it's truly a divine play, you would ask yourself something like, if I know my source truly, yeah, why would I ever be miserable? <laughs> Well, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a there's a big defense for misery. No, there's a big defense for misery. It's it's a wonder. Suffering is a drill sergeant for awakening. There's many things here. Well, yeah. well, and it's a wonderful experience to have. Is 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 as much as it seems terrible. It's wonderful. It's so rich. Misery is full of so many things to draw from. I I think I think uh, these these bad things that happen to us get a bad rap. You know, these bad periods we go through. The trauma leads to treasure, but it's important to recognize that it is the treasure. And to dwell in the trauma is like clicking the rewind button, which is where people get stuck a lot. That's where that's where I've lived before. And I've recently come out of this sort of. Amen. Yeah. You know, you can't look backwards and don't don't look behind you when you're on the freeway because you're going to wreck the car. You know, it's like. So that's definitely something. And to to speak prior to what you were saying, the one thing about acting um, as a career is that it's very, it's uh, there. There has to be some sort of esoteric reasoning behind it, you know, because things do come to you. That's you know, for the people that are into manifestation, like things are coming to you. So you you the you you learn how to become very in tune with this spiritual track because the more momentum that you have it wouldn't these people don't know that you just did this and now you're happy and now this is coming in they they have no idea so it's it's got to be some sort of collective unconscious is sending you the water you know uh sort of thing and one thing that uh put me in a period where i'd say it was derailed or stagnant was that greed was that that very prefrontal cortex thinking like that I can control this, I can dominate it. All that did, all that sort of thinking did and all that, all the sort of actions that came from that led me to 
uh, a worse place than I started for sure. Honestly, you know, it's it's put me back at least a year, two years in my and career. That is what is meant by surrender. Yeah, that is what is meant by surrender. That wind, that flow, that is the Tao, that is so naturally the process that to have those states that you described and it taught you look at what it taught you look at where you're yeah. at now in terms of what you know mm -hmm. which is what you're referencing okay i want to unpack i'll ask you to unpack something i noticed okay. that you're out of water i'll go get you more water oh yeah i have to talk by myself yeah you, okay. yeah we'll, we'll i'll give it a you, shot we'll, we'll leave you for just a moment while i fill you up on water isn't he so um, sweet guys yeah, yeah, gotta take care of, well, take care of our guests well. Yeah. So the w thing that where I wanna go right now is explain to us in that first reel, and we'll get to the second reel here in a bit. In that first reel, explain to us what it's like, all of the different principal roles mm -hmm. and what it's like to work on the sets, what it's like to work with the writers and the directors. Okay. And how they want you to fit a specific role. And so there's this process of taking different takes and getting better and better at that role. Yeah. And all this type of, of stuff. How long was it for four months or how long did it take to make um, one of these? Um, the, some of the like bigger Like an act of like, creation and stuff? An act of creation and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll be, I'll be right back. Okay, so it gets a lot harder when Atlas leaves. Um, Shoot. So the... Uh, so every, I mean, the first thing to understand is that every project's different. Every uh, visionary behind it is different. Every vision's different. And the the best thing you can do as an actor is be in, in service to that. Um, you want to, you want to try and bring things to the character that are very real. You want to make the character very real for you. You want your body to believe that this is really happening and you want to justify. So let's say that you're doing it one way and the director comes in and he goes, oh, Tyler, that was amazing. But do it completely different because it needs to be more like this. So one one goal that you should have, uh, especially when you're on set, which is a uh, lesson I learned the hard way, um, you should do what they want them to and justify it in your process. You need to make that you need to you need to backwards engineer what they're saying right so they're saying you know this guy's more like a wishy-washy kind of dude well where would that even come from well where would that come from maybe he's like his dad right and maybe instead of his dad being like he thought his dad worked at a bank maybe instead his dad was like a yoga instructor or something you you whatever your process is you you want to conform to that director but I'll also say most of the directors I've liked working with the most are very hands-off on performance. They might say something like faster or look here when you say this, but it's not necessarily going to be like, oh, you should emphasize this word instead of that word. Hmm. Most of the ones that, uh, and they, they've typically been the ones to go on and be more successful are the more hands-off directors. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for the actor to have such a strong process and uh, strong people to work with coaches and all that because it really that that really is your job <laughs> you know it's it's not when you're on a set everything needs to be going as fast as possible you only have 
like uh, we rented out Sayers Club for one of those. That's like a $25,000 day. If that date goes wrong, the production's out, you know, uh, 25 grand. So, um, yeah, you should just bring it. Bring your Bring your best work and hopefully they like it. Yeah, damn, within the budgets. So there's things like renting out a venue for a day and making sure that everybody's hella on point that day yeah. to capture the specific scene that you're... Well, the pressure is real. You yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, God, <laughs> if I fuck up this... If I mess up this line you one more say, time, yeah. I am ruining this whole thing, right? Like, if I, if I don't get this... The whole scene might have to go. That's going to be terrible for me. So that pressure's there. That's why being able to sort of at will turn off your prefrontal cortex is like the first skill you should hone as an actor is being able to just shut everything out, yep. be in your body. Exactly. You know, an actor exactly. should really rely on their body a lot more than their brain. Exactly. I think. Yep. In a sense, that's what... Thank you, by the way. Yeah, you're super welcome. In a sense, that's what the flow is, and that's what the you know the body is the portal to the formless, to the unmanifested, mm -hmm. to Absolutely. the source. And so, it's not like the prefrontal cortex is the portal. Uh, no, the prefrontal cortex is its own animal that's used for important contributions well, to society. The best the trick time. the prefrontal cortex did, the best trick it ever played was convincing you that it was your identity mm -hmm. and not a tool. There, yeah. you know, it's so easy to think that this thinking mind I have is me, but in essence it's this it's this little part of your brain and now the science even backs this up. Your gut has its own it's your gut has its own way of thinking. That's why people say go with your gut. They don't say go with your head. They say go with your gut, you know. Mm -hmm. If you need to do something instinctually, your and heart. Your heart, yeah. your heart thinks before your brain in a lot of situations. So that's the biggest trick that part of the brain ever played. It was like, no, you, I am you. This part of me is you. But it's not. It's our strong arguably one of our strongest tools. Yeah. But it's just that. It's only a tool. Yeah. And that's typically where we get sucked into the egoic separate entity as well. The lack of the intuitive knowledge of eternity versus that sort of prefrontal, physical, separate, biologic creature yeah. uh, style of, of thinking. Also, what came up was it would be interesting to hear about how often it's guys that get into the trap of the pfc prefrontal cortex exactly well, guys have that linear thinking brain this the latter brain so i think it is easier for Whereas us to end up in that the female gets embodied into the role yeah and from what i understand and maybe this is old science or bad science but from what i've understand the the female brain is more like a spider web, so it's they, they have access to all these different parts of their brain at the same time, easier than a guy. A guy's brain is kind of tick-tock, tick-tock, and a woman's just kind of like, it's more like there's a spider web shooting out, and all those pathways can connect to each other a lot easier than a man. And then that's the, the yin and yang, which also have the little the fish eye in each of them as well so you have the little you have the little eye inside the black eye inside the white 
and you have the white eye inside the black. Right. And so that's where you get into this. That's why we, when we embody that flow. Sorry, that, I was on airplane mode earlier. I'm just. Oh, yeah, yeah. No worries. That really quick. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Sorry. Yeah, good catch. That. Yeah, you're good. You're well, good. no, it just went off, so I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you're good. The eye inside of. So what what is that supposed to reflect? <laughs> well, it's supposed to reflect that the even within the dark there's light, even within yeah. the light there's dark. Mm-hmm. And so it would be something like even within something as I see like, what you're saying. So something like, as horrible as Hitler uh, or here's here there there are actually some examples that we've been kind of using for a bit about this. It's like in science, yeah. There's the perverse morality that unfolds with things like creating nuclear weapons. Right. And then the little kind of eye of of spirituality is something like anchor that God realization so that you don't make nukes. And in spirituality, it would be like you make something like snake oil. And so science would be like the little eye in spirituality that is saying don't peddle things like snake oil to profiteer off of people saying that this is going to help them. Right. Make your hair grow back or stuff like that. Make you 10 feet tall. Taller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So another good question to ask you about this would be that what's the sort of scope of like, give us your scope of interest as well as what it is kind of generally for these different roles that you play in where it's like everything you mentioned from even a short ad a day, mm-hmm. five figures to a, this is the most money I've ever made by the way. Was that ad? Yeah, no, it's, so, it's so awesome. And then all the way to things like, you know, a couple weeks of shooting versus a couple months of shooting. And what's the sort of, process of showing up every day i know you gave the example where it's like you know you have a line on that one day at a venue and you have to nail it so that the scene's not taken out well like the first scene in that reel right yes that's that that's at sayers club that's there's a bunch of scenes there that was that was one of many i think the other reel has one of the scenes at sayers club so that that so um Baby. Yeah, as 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 glamorous as it seems, it's a little more. Blue. It's not as blue collar as you know. They'll make it out to seem at the variety roundtable, but it is it is a little more blue. I mean, blue collar. I mean, typically shoot days are like twelve hours, sometimes sixteen hours, almost never eight hours. You're you're always at about the twelve to sixteen mark. Um, usually get there either at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. Like, I shot a project. You get there at 7 p.m.? Well, to shoot till 7 a.m. So, yeah. like, when, if there's a scene in the dark yeah, or or two scenes in the dark in the movie, you're going to shoot those out in one night. So you're going to get there at 7 p.m., 
shoot all night and then leave at 7 a.m. or 9 a.m. Um, I actually worked on a project that had us driving around all over California. Oh, hi, Orange Sunshine. Uh, it's really cool. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, we were driving to Ojai, Laguna Beach, all over California. Usually you'd get up at like 3, show up at about, I'd show up at about like 6, you get in hair and makeup at about 7, and then you leave at about like 7, 8 p.m. And then, so then after all that, these days where you're waking up at 3, then the next week there was this studio that you can rent out cheaper if it's at night. So you're kind of seeing where I'm going. So we, yeah, yeah. I, I go to bed at 7 p.m. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was smart. I started adjusting my sleeping schedule as best I could. And then the next week, the shoot was from 7 p.m. till 7, 9 a.m. Because the studio is cheaper at night. Yeah. So usually you're, you're just trying to be as flexible as possible. And typically when you're working on a film, you have like very little time for anything else. At least in a bigger, a higher capacity. You know, a lot of parts in movies are a day or two, you know. You show up for a day and sometimes it's a half day, but like these these leading roles, these principal roles, the the leading, the main guys, the it's you're it's an all day, every day, day in, day out, monthly thing. Yeah, like seven days a week. Uh no, cause so SAG said that that's a no no. So five days. Five on and two what's off. SAG? SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. Screen Actors Guild. So it's our Guild. union. It's the union. Yeah, it's the union. Um, and yeah, that's one of their many protections. You also get, you know, that's why you get overtime on SAG stuff. So if, like, if you do a project at 300 a day is your rate, and in a typical day you're going to make, like, 500 because you're going to be there for 12 hours. It's based on how long you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And then... It's interesting. So then your the SAG limits it to what five days in a week? Five days on, two days off. Yeah. Yeah. Because. So then you have something that that you can do in those two days. Yeah. It's yeah. Like relax yeah. and yeah. And exactly. and uh, hopefully it's a good use of your time. You know, um, whatever you do in this. Damn those that two days. that seven p.m. to seven a.m. shift is crazy. It's yeah. it's so worth it though. Though what blows my mind is that crew does it because they work so much harder. I yeah. keep, like that crew works really hard. Yeah. yeah, acting is just you get you I mean so getting the gigs is a living nightmare, but once you have the gig, it's like it's like royalty compared to what poor crew like what crew goes for their own. Yeah. You know, like I that 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I probably spent most of my time chilling out in like some corner, you know, on my phone or whatever just waiting to be told what to do. Whereas someone, a gaffer or something's running around like it's an Amazon fulfillment center yeah. all night. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's yeah. it's crews working really hard. Yeah. yeah. Even principal roles get these breaks throughout the 12 hours. And when they, when they move the camera or whatever, they send you off. It takes like half an hour. It takes like half an hour to move the camera, get all the lights and everything. It takes forever. Yeah. It takes forever to shoot one scene. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the average, when I moved out here and learned this, the average was like four minutes a day is what people shoot, like four minutes of actual footage. Footage. It's probably higher than that now with all the technological advances. Yeah. But, yeah, you're, you're getting very limited amount of time per day, a lot less than you would think. Yeah. Those, those cuts that you were showing us were really strong in your reel. The, the cuts were really 
really well done where you know even in that first one where you know she was saying you know baby and you were walking in mm-hmm. right it wasn't it wasn't her it was the video was on you while she was saying it so like it, i'm just saying it's good to see sort of the you know every couple of seconds is even if you're talking it's a switch from you know this angle on you to this angle on you that's something i did intentionally and then, and then you finish the sentence and before you even finish it the camera's already on her awaiting what she says next and then mm. cutting to your reactions that's really strong filmmaking, filmmaking. yeah and yeah. that's that's probably um that's that's more than likely the editor but there are some cuts in there. So since that's the reel I'm sending out for myself um, to try and get jobs, I'm cutting out the other people as much as I possibly can. So that's why some of the cuts might seem unnatural. I'm just cutting out everything that's not me in the scene. And uh, in, in that first scene, it's so much about their relationship and their dynamic. I leave a little bit more with her, but yeah. But um, yeah, that's really good filmmaking. It's J and L cuts, which is basically like, if you were talking, if I were talking, 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 cut to your reaction before I ended the sentence. That's pretty, that's pretty um, standard. Standard, yeah. Yeah. And what does the J and L stand for? Is that- uh, J goes that way and then L goes that way. So like they're overlapping. So a, a, a J cut is going to overlap backwards. How does it make sense? Like if you have the two clips on Premiere yeah. and it's like that, that's a J cut. And then if it's like that, that's an L cut. I see. They're they're overlapping with each other. I right? see what you're saying. That's cool. J and L cuts. Now I'm following. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle taught me that. Yeah. Kyle's taught me yeah. a lot. Of yeah. Lingo. I, I think we even talked about J and L cuts a little bit with Kyle on the show. Probably. Yeah. Those are those are really good um, techniques. Techniques. Yeah. yeah. yeah editing. Those make it seem like film. Well, yeah, and editing is just. Um, it's another un- unsung hero, you know. I think the three most important people yeah. to the like actual creation of a movie are the writer, director, and the editor. Yeah. You know, those are the the editors just a little slept on, I think. Yeah, the writer, director, and editor, and then also the crew, the actors and actresses, and the audio, the um, yeah. audio engineering and the mastering of the final audio, which oh, goes audio, into yeah. the edio, which is the editing. Edio? Edio, yeah. I was like, do you know some word I don't? <laughs> Edited, the editing, audio, yeah. The edio. Yeah, post. Body. And post, it usually yeah. takes the longest as post. Yeah. Yeah. Production's all the fun stuff. It's post where I've done some of that. Like, I've yeah. done some editing work, um, and it's way harder. It's so it's so tedious. Bro, yeah. The, yeah, post. <clears throat> Why do we do these live? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? You're editing on yeah. the fly. Yeah. Actually, you look yeah. like a wizard. He's yeah. doing all this. Um, yeah, I, I worked for a production house as an assistant editor on the Emmys one year. It was the In Memoriam. We were working like 60 to 90 hour weeks, like just editing all exactly, day. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, sitting behind the computer. It kills your eyes. It man. kills your eyes. It kills your your. Yeah, typing does that Ty- a lot. Typing mouse. Uh, I had to switch to ergonomic going this way as a mouse oh, instead yeah. of flat like I've that. I've seen that. It hurts. Yeah. And then my my cousin's yeah. a screenwriter. His carpal tunnel. He's thirty maybe. His carpal tunnel is just 
crazy. It'll ruin his whole day. He'll get yeah. bad carpal exactly. tunnel. Exactly. It'll just ruin. Yeah. Exactly. Computers are as great as they are as a tool. They're not very body friendly. Well, we're about to get to where it's in that augmented reality environment, and it's as simple as just clicking and dragging, or even thinking with the Neuralink. Yeah, I hope so. And then, and then all of the creativity is a lot easier, and all these JNL cuts and all this audio mastering and all even this just stuff. look at so. I, not a lot of people know this, I guess. The way they used to edit movies was they would hang all the strips of film from the ceiling yeah, yeah. for the scenes. And they'd look through on a magnifying glass and they, it's a cut because they would literally cut the film and then splice it back together. That's so nice. I would never do that. You couldn't pay me a billion dollars yeah. to edit Citizen Kane. All these strips of film yeah. and I'm going around. And then you have to sync the audio up, which is done on a freaking eight track. Yeah. You know, the... Yeah. The fact that, you know, someone is, is, um, that was the cutting edge though, bro. Oh, yeah. they were That's like, so Whoa, we're going to sync sound yeah. up to movies. Even yeah. when they shot, it was completely different. You would have people that are off screen screaming on the scene because they didn't, the, the computers just changed the game. The fact that I can learn how to edit, you know, in a few years yeah, exactly. is it just speaks to it. You just have to spend years and years and that's on the side you know i'm learning how to do it i'm doing it as a hobby the so hopefully that next advancement is putting it out in front of you iron man style you know in the iron man movies he's always like grabbing the arm putting it exactly. with the chest yeah that's doing it all that. exactly this i just want to do this and make a movie and instantly. make a movie yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> i think everyone does though but yeah. then but then everyone in my industry would be out of a job everyone would make their own movies in, in, well in a sense it would create an even stronger compression algorithm for the most creative things to rise to the top it's which true just kind of in a sense what like social media is is that it's kind of like especially like tiktok and whatnot it's just created a a compression like you need to be able to package something in 15 seconds and put it out there in a way that hopefully gets people to recognize it. But there's it's a big difference between making a TikTok video and, and a feature film. And a feature film. Yeah. yeah. Huge un difference. Unfortunately, a lot of people are choosing the 15 seconds over the two hours. But I don't think features are going anywhere. I uh, So when I first moved out here, I would sneak it's because in. Because the 15 seconds is way less of a time investment yeah and, yeah exactly and so people do that whereas the two hours you can tell a much more profound story but it's a more well and i guess i'm the one that would argue you know and i'm not arguing with you the argument <clears throat> yeah is that two hours of 15 second videos has a lot less uh uh, is a lot worse use of my time and you won't than learn two hours shit. exactly you won't learn shit either you ask people after they are on the platform looking for two hours at 15 second videos ask them an hour after they get off the platform tell me one thing that you learned while you were on the platform yeah and i mean and there there are exceptions versus to that, versus sure. mostly yeah it's mostly entertainment and not edutainment yeah and a film is mostly trying to convey a profound message of some sort well the other thing that films do um and now you know, now culture is doing it in its own new ways. But the one, one thing that films do, who teaches you really how to speak throughout your life? If you're how to speak eloquently, how to, how to behave in this certain way. I mean, those are really all films, the reflections of life. We see that and we emulate that behavior. It's and film in that way acts as a teacher, you know? Yeah. And, and you can learn these lessons, hopefully the easy way. I always say film is a safe place to deal with dangerous things. You know, to to experience uh, things like 
like um, that film Beautiful Boy, I feel like it does a really good job of conveying as much as a film can the the absolute devastation that addiction can be on a family, you know, and hopefully every now and then we learn a lesson through film that we don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah. It's probably also a good time to talk about the transition as you were kind of explaining how there's all of those strips of film that then magnifying glass and you cut so fast. Literally like, okay, I think I'm going to do it before he squinches. Yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that also kind of was part of the... In the past, it was a lot more about singing, dancing, and acting was the trifecta. Yeah, so back in the day, you know, you're fresh-faced, show up to New York. Hey, where do I... You know, whatever. Um, yeah, you were kind of expected to know how to sing, how to dance, and how to act. Well, the new the new trifecta going around Hollywood is write, produce, act, you know. Those are the three things that uh, if you're going to become a master of any three things as an actor, I guess those are the three that you're supposed to do. And if you look at it, if you go go to IMDb, look at Leonardo DiCaprio's um, IMDb page. He's produced more movies than he's acted in. George Clooney has produced more movies than they've acted in. You really want to be, if you're doing film, you really want to, this is something I'm trying to challenge myself to get better at you really want to learn how to produce a film so so that firstly you can tell the stories that you want to tell you can make the parts for yourself that you want to make yeah you know and that's uh, it gives you a lot of agency over your career but also in terms of breaking in if you can write produce and act in a film you can give yourself that breakout and so that's that's something that i know i'm trying to get better about i've been doing a lot of writing i'm trying to figure out the producing um and yeah, that's the new trifecta. You know, MGM musicals don't. What La La Land did well over the past ten years, but that's like the only musical that's come out. Yeah, I th- that's probably one of the most common resonances for me as well of being here is doing a lot of writing of this animated series, Chimps, mm-hmm. that we're working on, and all these other kind of docs and anthologies and all these other types of things. Yet the production side of it is where people like Kyle come in that are just a lot stronger on those kind of J&L cuts and just getting all these other kind of things together. So to sort of learn the ropes, even though we can do this sort of live setup of a podcast is great, but it's not like that editing that we were talking about that really draws together the audio and the video into something that is so profound. Um, And on an acting level... I'm definitely getting some of those ropes as well, which is very fun. You're getting lots of credits in many ways. And in this sense, this is we're approaching our 720th interview. Yeah. And we're also approaching our sort of my essence becoming more and more like completely free in the sense of like expressing a like characters and play mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing a lot more fluidly and dynamically. So I'm kind of getting some of those ropes. So I'm totally feeling like LA's vibe kind of landing more and more in our kind of soul of the show as well. And then, yeah, um, well, that that's, that makes sense. 
Yeah, exactly. Because we're rubbing off on each other, like in the sense of like the show simulation, the ethos of bringing these biggest questions about metaphysics, non-duality consciousness to the hearts of these different influencers and celebs on well, the show. Well, it's, it's no... But the LA's also rubbing off on us with writing, producing, acting. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. it's, no, it's no coincidence you move to the entertainment capital of the world. Um, and out of nowhere, how do we get our message across? Let's do it through entertainment, you know? Exactly. Those, those things don't... One thing about LA is it's it's kind of like a pressure chamber, you know. It's it's literally where stars are born. There's so much pressure under it. There's there's so much compression that I think if you survive it long enough, you come out a pearl, you come out a diamond, diamond. or whatever. And, but a diamond and yeah. And the you know, the intense pressure and temperature that diamonds form under is very much like the humans themselves. Mm-hmm. That we also are naturally from our birth a diamond yet it's up to us to require that we to register to recognize that we are that diamond that already is yet of course we gain a lot more wisdom and insight as we go on now um this would probably be also a good time to play our second uh oh yeah let's do that let's uh yeah we'll play the second asset this one um, you can, oh, you uh, I do want to just yeah. introduce one thing. Yeah, 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 go for it. So the first bit is is a collaborative effort between Kyle Shadow and I, and it's really just a test. I was hoping to show more, but as the California went back into another lockdown, we we couldn't get as much done as we wanted. But so one thing that we're doing, he and I, is we're going to start to make uh, like minute videos for new actors i was saying earlier like good footage goes a long way especially in the beginning of your journey so one uh what we're going to start to do is we're going to start to uh cater to whoever's you know paying for it and make a minute segment for their demo reel that way that you you know you can show agents casting directors what it is that you're capable of in a uh, professionally shot way but this is this is a test we ran um, and it's gotten a lot better since so hopefully we can show it off again later to tour, make an album, the whole shebang. Future isn't finished, you know? There we go. Thanks, babe. Yeah? All right. I'll see you guys. How do you know I was at ZombieCon? Yeah, but I didn't kill him. I wasn't the only one he pissed off. What do you mean? 
Some other guy followed Kennel outside. Maybe one of his marks? I don't know, I figured he'd teach Kennel a lesson for me too. Can you describe this guy? About my age, skinny, tattered clothes. His makeup was super elaborate. Anything else? He had a limp. Doesn't everyone have a limp at ZombieCon? Yeah, when you're in character. And when you're ducking out the back door to kick the guy's ass that just robbed you. Yo, does Lacey know you're going to this party? Ooh. Don't worry about her, man. Real shit, though. What are y'all going to do if you go off to college? Oh, my God. Where'd you get that? Early present from my kinfolk. Icy is I'm about to start a great job. Why the fuck would I ask you to come with me? Don't try to make yourself the victim in all this. I mean, the two of you fuck happily ever after. Yeah, the nuances there are unique and also similar to that first one. Just, well, there, there. Yeah. I used two bits from uh, the same from two two of the same projects. One of the one of the problems when you're building um, a career is you end up doing a lot of stuff that you just kind of cut out. So I. Uh, I like those two projects that I used again in particular for those scenes, but the approach with these two reels was to have one that's like the drama and one that's the comedy. So I took the lighter elements of those projects and put them in the lighter reel and then the darker elements and put them in the darker reel because I see. usually only send one video I see. to a casting director. Exactly. So if the character is like Tailored. murderer or a criminal, I would send them that second, second one. one. If the character is like cute guy, Kissing hot girl, I'd send that first. First one. one, yeah, perfect. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. That, but so. that's why there's that cross with the projects. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's some other stuff. I've oh, done. so then there's the differences and the similarities because yeah. they're from the same project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like the guy's kind of being an asshole instead of being nice. That guy's kind of being an asshole instead of being nice. Well, yeah. if the guy's an asshole and he's screaming at a chick in the thing, we'll just show the asshole parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, you, you want to use the best of what you have and you want to keep it short. So a lot of stuff I've done uh, just frankly isn't in any of my stuff because it just doesn't um, doesn't look as good for the most part. Yeah. Or, or the right. Exactly. Things, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like kind of looking back at our interviews from like three years ago. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. That's not your best foot. Yeah. yeah don't put yeah. that forward. That yeah, didn't happen. Exactly. Keep it on the resume, but don't yeah, go yeah, look yeah, at it, yeah, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I did this one. It was yeah. called train yeah. robbery three, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's funny. It. Yeah. It's funny looking back at, you know, your acting from three years ago and, you know, my interviewing from three years ago. It's funny, but yeah, you're right. It's cool to tailor your reels to the different, casting yeah well as as everyone's attention span gets shorter casting directors do so you want you don't want to make them spend four minutes my the reels i use now are half half as long as either of these they're like a minute long 
Because if they're watching 300 people and you're the dude that's thing is like three and a half minutes, you're kind of just the asshole, you know? Like, you just give them the best minute you got and hope for the best, really. Or two minutes. Two minutes. It's yeah. about the cap. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One to two minutes of the compressed best of your acting. Yeah, yeah so now what my... Now what my the page that my reps use to send out for me, it's about nine clips, not, not, not two reels, not one reel. It's about nine small clips. They're all like a minute. 10 seconds or a minute. A minute. Yeah. They're all 59 seconds. Exactly. So they're all as tailored, as specific to, this is like a rom-com vibe, kiss, 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 girl, 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 kiss, kiss, kiss. Okay. This is dude with a gun, dude with a gun. Dude and dude with another guy, you know, yeah. it's all it's all really specific and tailored. Exactly. Drama versus comedy. Yeah. Well, and even more, there could be drama like guy who's in a relationship and it's tough or a drama guy who's taking your car. So there's exactly. thug. Then there's like dude going through it in a uh, movie about relationships. So you want to segment that as much exactly. as possible. And that's, that's why there's those nine clips. Yeah. As opposed that- to like. Two big two reels big or reels. one. I know people, I know a guy's got a 12 minute reel because, you know, he's from, you know, a long time ago. It was when he was, you know, having to send his reel out. He doesn't really have to as much anymore. But so I see his reel, it's like 12 minutes long because it's just changed so much. Yeah. This idea of these individual clips is is good maybe five it, years old. Yeah. They come and they kind of like a la carte select from a buffet of what is what essence you've been able to represent as an actor. And if you've been able to represent these different essences really well, then in a sense, you're more like a synthesis like that Joseph in the coat of many colors. Yeah. Like, um, okay. I'm, I'm looking for parts and I see a character. His name's Bob and Bob's a drug dealer and he's selling crack. Do they need to see me, you know, hang out with my girlfriend on the couch? Probably not. They probably need to see the guy who's playing with the gun while he's driving. And then the guy who's like, I wasn't stealing nothing. That's all they need to see. Yep. To know that you're a good fit yeah, for that's that. that buffet. Yeah, that buffet style. Yeah. It's interesting. Take what, take, you know, just send It'd them be, what they need. It's kind of like, you know, we do this interview on acting and filmmaking. And then somebody else can go and listen to another interview we did on consciousness and non-duality specifically. Right, right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Atlas's ability to sort of navigate those different landscapes of conversations right and even more yeah. when they're selecting it you have them all this one's about this this exactly. one's about this exactly. so that's all that you're doing with the materials you're sending out exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i love that sort of buffet style approach it's kind of like what the channel looks like in terms of like the landing page of the channel with all the different playlists the service like that, that you use to get acting jobs in terms of the video content is very similar so you'll send one picture you'll send one video then when they click on it they'll see all your pictures Unless you omit some, you can omit as many as you want. They'll see all the pictures, headshots. They'll see all the videos, and if they want to watch all the videos, they're all there. What is that service called? It's called uh, Breakdown. Ex- uh, Breakdown Express is the agent's version, and then the actors is called Actors Access. Actors Access. Actors Access. Yeah. So if you're an aspiring actor, sign up now. It's like hundred bucks a year. Yep. And then they charge you for everything, every picture you put on. It's it's not a cheap pursuit but it's cheaper than opening a restaurant 
<laughs> so as soon as they click on the image of your headshot, it's going to open up the other 20 headshots yeah. that you have. Yeah, whatever you don't omit. Yeah. Yeah, because you can be like, I don't need, I don't want But you're uploading and you're paying for every Yeah, upload. you pay. It's like 22 bucks a picture, 22 bucks a minute. Per year. No, just to put up. And then per year, if you're SAG, it's like 60 bucks. And then if you're not SAG, it's like 100 Yeah. So... That's that's one of the benefits, I guess. And to, do you just sign up for SAG, or how do you get into the union? You have to do a certain amount of union jobs. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend joining unless you have to. Like uh, that show, I did. I had to. Or you else have I to do for some of gig. the gigs. Yeah. Well, if you do, so the Holocaust. Uh, there's many like us. The Holocaust film that put me in eligibility, so I could have paid for it then. My agent. Uh, having my best interest at heart told me to wait. I did a certain amount of SAG projects and then I booked another SAG project, but before I could do it, all right, dude, you got to join. You can either join SAG or not work with SAG. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was literally like, it's like $3,600, something like that. Yeah, there's a... Uh... And then what's the sort of what's the sort of process for, you know, like doing things like getting listed on IMDb? Um, so at least for me, it was they put me uh, some one of the first projects I made. They were like, we're going to put it on IMDb and then you pay them. I don't even know how much I just there's a lot of webs. Basically, there's a lot of websites. You pay a lot of money to be on all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what it sounds IMDb a lot is. like. The, I think it's pretty cheap. Yeah. It's it's like um it sounds a lot like the social media reach with the programs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and IMDb you the the main reason an actor uses it is because if you have IMDb Pro, which is the actor's version, yeah. you every agent in town you can get their email. You know, everyone's email and stuff is on there. So it's mostly to chase down reps, chase down directors, get their emails, harass them. And what are you usually trying to message them? Like that pretty, so it'd be a good idea to get IMDb Pro like if we're also wanting to interview some of these leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. IMDb Pro is going to give you access to all kinds of maybe not who you're looking for, but whoever represents them. Yeah. You'll be able to get their name, figure out what their phone number is at the very least. Usually you can get at least their assistance email through it. It's mm -hmm. it's it's good in industry thing because it's got it's a directory of all their contact information. Exactly. Yeah. Also, let's say like I'm looking for an agent. I really like so-and-so from this and that, the TV show, the actor. I can look them up, figure out who their agent is, and try and get them. Yeah. You know, so exactly. if you're building like a that. list. Exactly. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And then, so Amazon bought the rights to there is many like I, th us. I think so. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or so. Something this was like published that. like five years ago. Yeah. So our premiere now. was in 2015. And I, I don't know why it says 2020, but I'm glad it does because people will, will see it some more. Um, it's like the first project I worked on out here. Uh, it's it's yeah. like a documentary narrative drama. Um, it's on Amazon. But yeah, so... I don't know exactly what happened, but we had a release in 2015. I don't think it did particularly well. 
it did pretty well in Europe from what I heard. And then I'm, I'm assuming that the distribution company sold the product to Amazon because the director likely sold the product to the distribution company and then the distribution company like sold the product to Amazon because they're all assets. Like they, they play with them just like when businesses buy up, you know, when Coca-Cola buys M&Ms from Costco or whoever. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's a really cool story. It's the story of, um, a guy and a girl, they meet in a concentration camp and, uh, they go on this crazy journey. They end up together outside of the concentration camp. They reunite later. I don't really want to give it away, but it's it's pretty impactful. It's told by the grandson of those two. Yeah. Which is of of Max in particular. Yeah. 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 And I play Max and he breaks out of the Holocaust. Yeah. yeah. The 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 project, the like uh what would you call it? Code name was Escaping the Holocaust. And then this came through the production of the project. The director was like, oh, no, I'm going to call it There's Many Like Us. Yeah. For specific reasons that are in the film. Yeah. 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 But it's great. It's great. The end of that second reel where I kissed the girl in black and white, that's what it's from. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I need to get my post. I need to get a poster. Yeah. And (laughs) even the the sort of dynamic of like in the dramas, you know, this one has, it's also deep drama, but it's not mm-hmm. related to guns. No. Right? And that's kind of interesting as well. So there's like the gun, you know, one minute clip that's up there mm-hmm. or like two or three of those. Cause you have several of those. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, I guess I look like a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much, this is just kind of a funny side note for the past like year or two I've pretty much exclusively gone out for rapists and killers like uh, there wow. were actually two movies I just got really close to at the end of last year they were both serial killers basically so I guess that's my I'm wondering if like in a past life I was like a rapist serial killer or something because I my energy seems to attract that kind of work well but, that that first clip that in the second clip in the first part of it, mm-hmm. right? That's a yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. Scene. Right. That's that. Yeah. 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 I guess you get good at what you practice. You know? Yeah. 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 So, and I wonder if there's also some part of it, like it, actors and actresses sort of feel like, well, maybe that is not so much. My vibe is the sort of serial killer rapist. I think, I think they whatever they away. think your vibe is, you should just embrace it. And keep well, to trying get, to get to them get the parts. Roles? Yeah. yeah, interesting. Like the last part I played in a film was in 2019, and he was like dealing coke to a high schooler, the dude. So I guess a, a bad guy kind of thing. And then last year I did a Zoom play in New York. So that's kind of interesting thing to come out of coronavirus was you know you don't usually get to do theater in New York from LA, but because they were doing it all over Zoom, I was like, hey, can I join in? And that guy was a rapist. So. I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that's oh my gosh. yeah it's interesting you can find the links in the bio below to the different films we're talking about and Tyler's pages and also we yeah we, look at me on IMDb it helps my there's a there's a stat there's a there's literally statistics on IMDb that really help actors if you search them um, on IMDb specifically It'll really just boost my rating. You don't have to read anything. Click on it. 
it'll it'll help me out there in the long go. run. It'll there help me go. get more jobs. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, the clicks. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. So uh, another thing that we uh, didn't touch on yet, but we did in that first session oh, yeah. was sort of, no, um, no worries. This is the link again in the bio to Tyler's uh, Instagram. You have a coach, one of the coaches that's been helping you a lot, Robin Dale Myers. Yeah, she's wonderful. And so um, walk us through sort of like part of like that learning process for you on how to like what is being taught and how you're incorporating it. Yeah. So I've had a lot of coaches, um, throughout the years. Um, I have no idea how many, but it's been, it's been enough that I don't know. Like one a year. Oh, at least, at least, you know, I went to, I did a few conservatory programs where I'd have six or seven at the same time, sometimes eight. So a lot of coaches, um, or teachers, I guess. She's a teacher and a coach. And Robin, so there are two people I've learned a lot from. There's Lisa Robinson, and she teaches, it's called, it's scene study. It's a type of the pursuit. And she is a hard ass. If you don't do your work, if you don't, and you show up to her, she's going to be like, why are you wasting my time? You didn't put enough hours into this, you know. And then, you know, she, want, she wants the best for all of her uh, students and her clients um but robin has this uh extreme compassion about it and one thing that she taught me how to do uh is audition well there's a big difference between acting and auditioning and and it's it's interesting you have to learn acting to even start to learn how to auditioning to uh, how to how to auditioning how to audition you have to start you have to know how to act to even start to learn how to audition but you have to audition to get acting jobs so they're kind of inverse of each other and what she teaches is basically what i was talking about earlier that the body doesn't know the difference between true and true uh reality and the imagination so if if i have a strong relationship to someone that's completely fictitious but i've gone through the process of creating memories with that person i'm inherently gonna feel some great pain if i lose them or something and she teaches this whole technique around each line individually in the script to give you that real realistic visceral experience wow. and if you if you really get good at the process you could have five pages down it's memorized because it's in your bones real reactions within like two or three hours so yeah. if you're at a spot where you're like i can act but i don't know how to audition i would definitely recommend studying with robin She's at the Marjorie, Margie Haber studio. Yeah. And Margie Haber is one of the all-time greats. But Whoa. yeah, Robin's my my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So there's studios where there's kind of like groups of coaches. There's people just making money, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's studios. So Margie Haber, um, she worked with like Brad Pitt. She's big big name in the acting class world. She's a huge coach. Um, and Robin's sort of a protege, per se. And yeah, I, I love her style. It'd be man. fun to explore getting Robin on the program. That could be. A I could try. I'll ask her. Yeah, that could be fun. Oh, she's. Yeah. You've never met anyone so kind in your entire life. She's just full of love. She's. I love that. Yeah, the compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Lisa Robinson, she she's Larry Moss's disciple. Larry Moss is Leonardo DiCaprio's coach. Mm. Guy costs like six hundred dollars. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's, it's not cheap. Um, I don't think it's that much. I think it's like 800 a month, but, uh, or a thousand, but she is like, you can do better than this. And you're like, I can. She's like, yes. And then eventually you get there. She, she puts you through the ringer, but it's more, that's more role prep, right? So there's a big difference between auditioning and role prep. So if you get the part, now you've got to build a whole life around these 130 pages. That's a very different task than auditioning. Audition is I got three to 14 pages and I got to make these work by tomorrow. And then role prep is okay. In three months we're shooting this. I want the best possible character. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Auditioning is for the casting call. Yeah. And then the role prep. Is for when the camera's on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's its own beast. Exactly. And if you have the that's money. That's when you have to have it in every bone, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, Your whole essence. When you have a project, you really want to. I mean, it's and, and it's so competitive and it's so much and you want to do so well. There was an audition I had last year. I lost 15 pounds in prep for the callback. I literally you just fasted and I, yeah, I fasted and I just ran. Cardio, yeah. I was like, I just made my cal not 15, maybe 10. I made my calorie deficit like 2,500 yeah. to 3000 every day. Um, because if I got it, we were going to start shooting a week later and the character was thin. So, um, yeah, you look really good right now. So was it, this weight or was it 10 pounds lighter? No, than it was this? lighter than this. It was lighter oh, damn, than this. Damn, that's really skinny. Yeah. yeah. I was eating like nothing. I was eating. My wife is vegan, really good at nutrition and stuff. So she made sure I was getting all my nutrients. It was just no calories. So it was just mostly vegetables yeah, yeah, exactly. that I was eating for like two weeks. And then I just like run and do high intense yeah. workouts. workouts yeah. yeah. Hit. Damn. And that was just in prep in case I got the part. That's how. That's how competitive it is. You're like, if I can lose 10 pounds by the callback, my chances are that much better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. It's yeah. so insane. Yeah. Have, have we hit on all of these kind of as many of the different faces of the mountain of acting and filmmaking? Like, has it been a pretty good? It's been good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we right, could. Cool. Um, we can transition a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Let's cool. transition. Okay. Let's do it. All right, so let's start with some of the more uh, simple questions. Sure. Do we – actually, let's ask it this way. What is your source? My source? It's everyone. Consciousness. Consciousness. I, I was talking to my brother about this last Christmas. It's, it was so impactful. It wasn't this Christmas. It was last Christmas. Is this a younger brother? Or? Yeah, he's my younger brother. He's okay. a genius. Um, we, we could get more into him later. Um, what started the Big Bang? The only thing that makes any sense to me is that consciousness thought, what if? So source is consciousness. It's the, the viewer, the experience, experience, existent, existentialism experience is the source of all things or the desire to experience what about you i'm gonna turn the question around what is what is yeah, the source it's, it's a it's a cool cool answer yeah the sort of the eye is a really good tell also where you have things like we just 
publish this one. This has a lot. This has a lot to do with that. I saw of, that. You saw this one, yeah. Yeah. Kind of that explain like I'm five essence to coloration of experience. Yeah, the pupil is what is shared. Right, ah. that's the eye of God. There's those chills again. But then the coloration is the, the individual. Un, the, yeah, the uniqueness. Yeah. yeah. The unique experience. Yeah, I, I personally think that there's um, source and then the organism keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, so the higher, the higher self is also another being that's independent of source. So there's stages into the the greater amalgamation of source you know and i guess like the inner rim would be gods right higher, higher beings closer here's a, another way to unpack this the way that you what you're describing right now is it's it's good and it's part of the expression of what this is is the sort of the different layers mm -hmm. to it that are in a sense between you could say the unmanifested and the manifested between the formless and the form, it's it could be that it's not just the human is the portal between those two, but also that there are other layers as well. Hundred percent. And so, yeah, like gods or higher dimensional beings or stuff like this. stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think those have to exist. Although, personally. although the most, although there is only one. There's a singularity, and then the fractal-like explosion. Let me let me draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, see, I when we started this, I was like, I'm never gonna use this freaking notepad, but you're 100 percent right. This it is, helps a lot. This yeah, is gonna to help draw. a lot. Okay, so you've got you've got source, and it's this cute star, right? And then you've got these waves that go out from source. And they go in all directions. I'm not going to switch every color. Now, imagine this just going off in all directions, right? Now, within those waves, you have bodies. Within those bodies, you have smaller bodies. Within those smaller bodies, you, within those bodies, you have smaller bodies. Within smaller bodies that are all all part so, of the same thing like the matryoshka dolls. these are all part of the source but there's lower level lower not lower um more specific right so you've general truth which is that all is one and then the more specific you get you have like this this frequency creates this creates this creates this and then it becomes the human being but that's part of a larger, you know, you could call it your your guardian angels or your uh, spirit gods or whatever. But those all ultimately end up in the same place is kind of my thoughts. I'm a terrible. This is what we just had. Tyler draw a moment. For someone dedicating himself to art. I'm sure it's all can't draw. 
So. Mm -hmm. Another way of expressing it would be something like our awareness is pure blank bare empty Mm -hmm. and then it gets colored uniquely like the individual experience yeah so like you know maybe like here's you getting Uh this blast of colors and i'm getting this blast of words but what we share is the blank white is what has the image on it yeah okay just like the screen right right the screen we share but you get different images on it than i do right but we recognize those as modulations of the same god as in we are sharing the one awareness the one experience the one experience yeah the one experiencer or the one witness yeah the one observer is god is source across all of these different creation designs yeah and And one more layer to that is that then even beyond the observer being shared so in this creation design it would be something like from big bang until now it's just one observer observing from all of these different perspectives yet it's also that even this experience in itself is a dream it's still an illusion. So yeah. Even this form that is created is all energy. Well, we were kind of talking about this outside. The way that I like to explain it or think about it is if you took brand new software and put it on 20 year old hardware, it would try to make sense of what's going on in it, but the hardware just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Right. So, Everything that we see, this chair and light and um, hear sound, that's all our interpretation of something much greater than our hardware can handle, in essence, right? The brain can only handle so much truth at once. So the actual essence of everything is uh, far more complicated and all that. But this is what we can make sense of, you know? If we could see everything, if we could handle all the software of reality, if we could handle the 100% truth, we, we would be saying it would be indistinguishable, I, I think. It would be indistinguishable what we see. We'd, maybe sense, we'd be seeing all of time at once. There's no way to know. The more that we slow down, the more that we gain access like a portal into the formless, which is what you describe. And it becomes more and more clear that that is our home, right? That is what cannot ever be threatened. Right. And all of this that is emerging is an appearance, an illusion, a dream. A play. A play, a cosmic play, a divine play. And that to know that home is what is inward and that home can never be threatened, that home is eternal, yeah, there's even the old adage, home is where your heart is, you know. Um, home home is, home is that the whole idea of it is non-physical. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an awareness or a state of being or it's a place, but it's, it's a different kind of place. It's a place you go from here. Definitely. I, I if, if that's along the lines of what you're saying like yeah 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 
another exploration that sort of gets people to it is the illusion of time, which we talked about a lot as yeah. well. The more that you recognize that, the more you go inward, the more you recognize eternity, and the, the more that you recognize that time and form and physicalism in general is a play, an illusion, a dream, and that it's fun to play, yet we recognize our source as we do so. So that way we're not blindly going out thinking that I'm an egoic separate entity that is finite and biological, but that I am an infinite eternal source that is expressing itself. Yeah, I call it I call it an immortal spiritual being having an experience or playing a game. That's kind of how I think about it. Like it's a game or it's a movie, you know, the the mortal play, but a game makes more sense to me because it's got more agency, right? Like, yeah, the mortal spiritual soul is doing this as an exercise. It's not necessarily true. That's just what I think personally. And the simulation thing would make sense with that too. It's just putting ourselves in it. We're playing a game. Yeah. that's. I just don't think it's technological. I think it's metaphysical. Yeah. Very much so that there's no other way to view the creations than that they are creation and simulation being synonymous that they have to be synonymous and the fact that we think that it's a computer that's running this in some kids basement from the future is a funny laughable thing or some dude's car battery like in Rick and Morty. all that all, all that type of stuff it's just funny and it's laughable because in a sense it's like our source is what simulates these yeah now are there is there nesting yes there's absolutely nesting that happens we are about to experience one layer of nesting another layer of nesting ourselves oh when we create the simulation exactly we're yeah we're we are already creating the indistinguishable virtual realities and we have the Neuralink technologies mm -hmm. and the artificial general intelligence and that's what's called the metaverse which is the synthesis of those things so when you go in and you play an 80-year game in one of those virtual worlds that is what this already is yeah, that's that's I mean, that's fundamentally what I think it is, because then you return home. Um, there's that book, Many Lives, Many Masters, where it was kind of captured that that's at least what happens, that when you die, you return home and then you go back into the game <laughs> or simulation. You know, uh, the there's been a lot of instances where there could be what some would think of as empirical evidence not proof, evidence that uh, reincarnation happens and that people go through multiple cycles. Some essence of them goes through multiple cycles. There's there's enough evidence to suggest that may be true, you know, and then yeah. the rest is faith. The Tibetan Book of the Dead is doing a good job of that, and there's a lot more investigations with the amount of weight that people lose upon death, and there's also the... It, yeah, the 6.6 grams. Or yeah, yeah, the contraction that people let go as they die as they recognize that they they are eternal mm. you know that's why the death process for those that are paying attention is so releasing for especially the egoic contraction 
Because when you are already non-duality, like right now at the age of 28 or whatever, d death is a complete illusion. And so to you, it's absolute fearlessness. And so that's what home is. Home is that. Home yeah. is the recognition that this we... This is vacation. Home is the recognition that we share our being and mm -hmm. that this is an exploration and that it would be completely... It would be completely ridiculous for me to do anything to a quote other, which is really the one, that is not of the highest morality. You only want to be of the highest morality. And yeah. it's a natural thing that comes through when you've become God-realized. But it requires piercing the veil, which requires the pursuit of external happiness to take a backseat to the pursuit of internal awareness. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that I think that's uh, one 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 such pursuit that could bring someone a lot of meaning. But the the more I become comfortable with that line of thinking, the more I look at someone who might be more of a realist, wants to live in the real world, do material things, which is still an equally valid expression of source. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't want to. And that's why the non-dual tradition is literally. Everything is indescribably perfect. There is yeah. literally nothing to do. Or as it should be. As it should be. So there is literally nothing to do regarding the person that is in the parable of the prodigal son out seeking their external happiness that is perfect. Yeah. And then the person that is literally just chilling in formless non-duality that is perfect. Right. And people might be pushed by... Uh societal structures or whatever to or try to fight for the realistic things when maybe they they aren't necessarily yeah. meant to planetary ecological disharmony is another one as in literally the force oh, yeah. the forcing function of that is another thing it's still perfect it's all harmonic but the approaching breaking point of disharmony although this is just a dream and illusion is still very important in the sense of do we want to continue living in this dream on this planet? Well, that's so, the thing. I mean, if yeah. it's if it's ultimately, you know, you can you can look at it like nihilistically. Oh, ultimately, none of this matters, or existentially, which is that actually all of the meaning is in the experience of it. You know, which they kind of take the same approach, which is that this is bull bullshit. <laughs> this isn't real, but existentialism to me makes more. Uh, it's more assuring because it gives meaning to the very act and effort of going through it. That is, that's the gold. That's the goal is to go through the experience. And I think we should preserve the breeding ground of this experience. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's very careful here because like non-duality is supposed to use as few words to try and describe what the nature of reality is, which is why there's so many of these different perennial wisdoms that are very short that try and explain what it is with these different signposts to the same one truth. But in this case, it would be something like the, the essence of the perfection that this is, is not attributed to purpose or meaning as in purpose and meaning are not something that something that is perfect needs and so then the next thing to say is that now do i want to 
create some illusory purpose and meaning while I'm here. In a sense, that's what people that go externally do. What usually what happens is when you go internally and you recognize that the it's not even nihilism that there is no meaning or there is no purpose because that has so much negative connotation. Mm-hmm. It's just more that something that's already perfect, something that's already whole, right? That's not usually what nihilism's associated with. No, no, not exactly. At all. Yeah. And so and so then the existentialist school is interesting as well, but again, the non-dual school is even taking a step to say that something that's already perfect, something that's already whole, something that's already completely unconditionally free and loving, it does not need to have meaning or purpose with what it does. Therefore, what this expression is, is a dream, it's illusory, it's an appearance, and it's completely anarchical. And if you want to express yourself as an ego seeking something externally perfect if you want to if and it's not even a want anymore either it's just what comes through the ego thinks that it has free will the non-dual recognizes that free will is an illusion and so that's another fascinating thing as much as like manifestation consciousness is like something that is interesting for especially for the egoic mind that's seeking for the non-dual mind there's an application of it that's like what's coming through is the fact that chimps, which is the animated series, will be manifested as it wants to. Yet, I'm not doing any of that. It's doing me. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, divine purpose is where that plays into. So how much how much agency do you think that someone in the dance, in the play has? Or is there a script? Is there a script and we're following the script? Or do, it's anarchic. Or do you have character agency? It's, an, it's, it's anarchy. It's anarchy to the extent that the non-dual expresses. It does you. You are it. It does you. And it's, a, it's not deterministic. So, so are you saying that the... It's anarchic, not that deterministic. The desire, that desires that people have and their expressions of them are aside from free will and that people will inherently behave in ways that make what's going to happen happen like if you stepped outside of time and looked at all of it would everything happen just as it's going to or do you believe that we're moving in unknown territory and making new decisions so I had a good amount of understanding of this as like a big Bayesian cloud of probabilities in the Mm -hmm. past, right? That's still what I feel as though the non-dual expression is the big Bayesian cloud of probabilities. Yet at the same time, I recognize that there is no agent. There's no agent here. There's no agent there. Right, like no individual. There's not even, not yeah, and not even that there's not even an individual, but there's not even an observer the observer in itself also becomes transcended because you recognize that this is the play of a dream of non-duality, which is what we are. Right, we this are already source. playing out. This is, and, and now the thing is, is that Don't there's you think the that future source... thing, right? That future idea. Mm-hmm. The future idea is something that we, in a sense, ascribe to a 
in an egoic way, which is that, oh, we are going to have agency and control and destiny over this future when all that really is, is just this. So do you happening. think that perhaps desire, like if, if you want a family or something, is actually just the source's recognition of that fulfillment later on? Almost like you experience it as, oh, I want to have a family, but it's more like you're going to have a family. Like, is it a closed loop? Well, what's the I, right? This is the question is when you say I, it sounds like there's someone there. Right. And when I say I, there is nobody here. That's the difference. When you recognize that nobody's here and it's just doing you, family, if it happens, is something that just happens. And that it is just what happens in the dream or the illusion. That you have family, you have kids. You, if you want to, you can feel like, wow, that's so meaningful. No problem. Feel whatever you want to feel. It's already perfect. It's already whole. Right. So you, so you as the non-dual, wake up, right? And then you want breakfast. It, there's nobody here wanting whole, breakfast. The That's breakfast the thing. just happens? It's, it's not even... There's nobody wanting breakfast. It's just that literally it happens. That's all that happens. It happens. It happens. There's just no I. So, so the layers are this. The individual, uh -huh. which is an egoic separate entity that believes it lives in a finite physical world of form. Right. The next layer is when the ego dissolves into the ocean. Right. The drop dissolves into the ocean, which means like that, the subconscious mind almost. Well, in this case, follow this analogy is when you recognize that you're not just that egoic, but you are a observer or an experiencer or a witness or as the spiritual traditions say, you're the I am or the self or the God that is experiencing the waves on the ocean. OK, so now there's a juxtaposition that's created. Basically, you re you're not lost in the words. You recognize that you are the blank pure you awareness page. that is experiencing the words. Okay, uh -huh. so then that's the second level up from the egoic individual. The third level, which is you can say is the absolute, which is the top of the mountain. The second level is like the snow cap is what uh -huh. usually people get to. But the third level is the absolute, which is where you say that. Even this observer itself is transcended because this is a dream. This is an illusion. This is a cosmic play. This is a divine play of the non-dual. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is this and this is transcended. The, the observer and the experience is transcended. There is nobody here. This quote here is a complete illusion right it's just playing out it's just playing out and the thing is is that it really triggers people because they want to believe that they have agency they want to believe that they have something to do they want to believe that they have something to seek they want to believe that they have to go and get something in the external world but it's already happening it's already doing you that's what surrender means is that you open your channel up because you're no longer that contracted ego, but you recognize that you are that God source, infinite non-dual expression that is then happening in this dream, which is, oh, this character whose name is Atlas wants to do this thing where he interviews people and he asks them about yeah. the non-duality. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's, and when you get to that level, now that's where peace and bliss 
and childlike innocence Mm -hmm. and wonder and awe are. That's when you know nothing is threatened because we are eternal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm grasping. I don't think I'm getting as far down the the rabbit hole as you are, but I'm grasping what you're saying, and it's pretty wild shit, I gotta (laughs) say. (laughs) I don't know how zonked out I want to be, man. Uh, More power to (laughs) you. It's just... That's wild. I'm gonna listen to that, what you just did on my phone 50 times after this interview and still be like, the fuck? It makes I get what you're saying, though. This is playing out. But aren't you observing it presently? So now that's a really great question. And it's totally where I was even just like a couple weeks ago, honestly. The difference is what happened was that the, quote, observer Uh thought that it existed. It existed. Yeah, the thought that the the well, ocean. I guess was that a, makes sense because yeah. if we made a simulation, and the artificial intelligence inside of the simulation thought it existed, but then under that it was actually inhabiting this body, and the body thought that it was the principle. There would be a stage that the AI would get to where they realized, I'm not actually the body; I'm inhabiting the body. But then they wouldn't know you don't even exist at all. You're running, you're you're in my computer, <laughs> right? And, and so what we say is non-duality or source or God or the infinite or whatever we want to say, mm-hmm. the eternal. That that is what that is. Now, I've also even played around with some of the like science around trying to understand well if there was an quote objective function. This is where I was like six months ago. Mm-hmm. I was playing around with an objective function. Like, what if we were exploring infinity? What if we were exploring infinite creation designs? That's what I kind of figure. And that's what is happening. But those creation designs don't actually have characters in them that are experiencing experiences. That's the last step. The last step is to recognize that this divine play of these creation designs the the quote form the quote physical is a complete illusion it's a dream of appearances and that's the last step is once you get that one that's when you really click in again this is fascinating because to me this satori towards non-duality and then into the absolute has just been like a month for me. Right. It's been nuts. But I, I literally pursued truth nonstop for five straight years yeah. until this yielded. But it's fascinating because I came to L.A. Really quick. Is it okay if I do this? Yeah, hit it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you in, come to L.A. And we but we the funny the funny thing is, is that we don't even recognize sometime what baptizing is happening. So. A month into coming into L.A., this baptizing happens. What baptizing? Satori. Into true non-duality. So even though before, I was living at the stage, which you could call oneness, before that. 
Yeah, some people would boot Buddha, right? Is Buddha that stage? Well, what stage is no, Buddha? Buddha? Buddha is Buddha is like Nirvana. Buddha is understanding the illusion. Okay, is what we say. And Jesus also, we would say, is understanding the illusion. Under wait, before we unpack too much, there's one thing I wanted to say. Yes, and that's because you were talking about the prodigal son earlier, but yes. we were going. Yeah, we if you re if you if you look at Christ more as a symbol than a person that Christ represents Christ is the embodiment of the connection between man and the divine the the presence of Jesus Christ means that we have that God in us we are Christ so if you reinterpret the Bible it's not this separate and that's where the church is really screwed it up they took him exactly. and they made him this separate entity that you can never become exactly. that's the biggest load of shit ever the idea yeah. behind christ is that christ is you you are the son exactly right there's the father the son and the holy spirit and that's the connection between both of them which are ultimately one right which yeah. all of those things are the holy trinity but they're the same thing yeah. Yeah. which is apparently nothing <laughs> and so that is what you could say is the last step in the mountain is the recognition that, that you know of there might be this well, new step well well it's it's the last step but then the thing is is that it becomes a more and more to that every moment so that's the thing is that this now that mm -hmm. exists right now if we're feeling peace and bliss and childlike innocence and awe and wonder yeah then that's when we've done the reps even if you feel the non-duality and the absolute even if you feel that the more and more that you basically it's you're still going to come up like t when somebody says the word tyler it's still going to create an onion layer of identity mm -hmm. just like atlas similarly as well there's a creation of an onion layer of identity again, where you basically go from the non-dual or from the absolute to the physical, to the form, to engage with something. So when, when I say, you know, fill up some more water, I'll go get you some more water, you know, you're thinking like, okay, well, this separate entity is going to go over into this world of form and go and procure more water for me to fill, etc. Right. that type of thing. And so it's just... The acknowledgement over time, the, la the quote, last step, there is no last step. The thing is, is that once you get to that mountain peak, it's just about baselining. It is a last step, but it's also about rebaselining yourself over time to be more and more and more of that as home, as home. Because right. your monkey mind wanders, your, you fall into the illusion more and more occasionally. Yeah. So, well, it's fun to go in the illusion. It's fun to, yeah, it's fun, you exactly. know. Exactly. And look ultimately, at, that's what the non dual tradition is. You got to look at these like billionaire CEO stuff. They love playing the game, man. They love it. They, you know, and, and that's perfect. You know, so exactly. Well, that's what's, that's what's really nice about the belief system is that um, everything's allowed. There's nothing that's not whole, there's nothing that's not complete already. Even right. The so you're, so you're, you're, sorry, I'm using your because you, you know, it's the perennial. Wisdom. I'm saying you exist, but the, this body's, <laughs> this thing happening in front of me, your, your truth or your destiny or your 
trajectory or whatever is the path toward understanding complete truth and living there, right? Okay, there's a couple layers here. The first layer is that it's all already complete truth, period. It's, it's a closed all loop. Already, it's all already perfect. It's a singularity that's already perfect and whole. Every aspect, every appearance to it is. Okay. Now, the second layer to it, which is the dual layer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first layer is the non-dual layer. Uh -huh. Okay, all perfection. The second layer is the dual layer. Okay, it's a concession. And what we say in the dual layer is we say that the egoic mind that is seeking as a separate entity happiness externally is creating a lot of suffering for itself and a lot of suffering for other people. Right. And so instead, if that egoic separate entity turned inward and recognized that God realization, what would happen is they would be already more well-being and happiness internally themselves, no more seeking externally, but also that they would butterfly effect that out to their family, their friends with everything they do. And they right, would, it spread and it spread. So then, so that's a, that's a dual concession to the non-dual thinking. So it's, there's multiple layers to this. Right. And so to be able to, what we call true simultaneity is one's ability to hold all of those layers at the same time. So it's never just always perfection, always non-dual, always. But it's to be able to say, okay, in the dualistic concession, seeking externally is going to lead to unhappiness. The ego and the separate, the ego of the separate entity and happiness cannot coexist. They are mutually exclusive positions. Happiness. Do you think so? Well, any, any, um, it would be shocking to the whole non-dual tradition if there was an egoic separate entity that was that that somehow also knew that everything was perfect and that they were seeking happiness externally that would because that would then if that would make the egoic separate entity completely irrelevant because they would actually understand the true of the perfection and they would be the expression of it that is seeking externally almost anyway. coincidentally Right. Uh, yeah. If the ego accidentally aligned with this divine purpose in yeah. essence, it would be a coincidence. Right. Like if someone if that's what happened with someone that, that might that might happen, that might happen a lot, you know, with with activists and stuff that might actually happen more than we think. It has to happen or have happened or will happen. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so, and one more thing around the imagination mm -hmm. is that we go beyond this dream as in go into all of the other dreams of creation designs that are happening right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, that's the multiverse, right? The multiverse. Yeah, exactly. That that all instances possible are playing out at all yeah. given times. Yeah. Plus some that you can't even plus a bunch that you can't even yeah. realize. Yeah. 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 It's. Oh, yeah, and so that's so what's af yeah. what's dreaming? Dreaming is recursive. What is the what dreaming is dreaming? Is recursive. This? Dreaming is recursive, meaning that the procedure calls on itself. So the the dream of the absolute being this reality of physicalism, uh -huh. the procedure of this dream calls on itself. Recursion, as in the illusory agents in that dream, right? Us. For a third of their life, sleep which then has dreams in Great it. Great dreams. Well, you could look at um, 
movies. They're they're dreams. They're just realized dreams, you know. Like they're all made up. Um that's kind of what they are though. I mean, most art is a realized dream. It's it's putting some sort of physical thing to it, right? It's bullshit. <laughs> Not all of them, but like yeah, that's dreaming too. We love to dream. I mean, the plane was a dream until it wasn't. You know, it was what are you think what are you talking about? Only angels can fly. I'm sure someone said that to the Wright brothers. So this is like four layers past uh what I'm used to in this we, ballpark. No, we've been crushing it and also we were also in the backyard. It's this is uh this is I would say this is the core of what the show will be unpacking with the different on champs of uh, this show yeah simulation interviewing the different in uh celebs influencers people here in la to kind of have the introspection happen mm-hmm. but also with yeah with chimps and the vr pedagogy and all these types of other projects is yeah getting especially young people excited about introspection going on the inward journey, recognizing that diamond necklace around their neck, recognizing that well of honey under yeah. the rock. Mm-hmm. And then being God realized is just a natural flow, harmonic, outward, outward into the physical dream illusion where you would never, ever do anything that has the that does not have the highest morality. So you're always doing the highest morality. Now, from the top down, from source down, right this the sense of identity grows and envelops and it becomes more and more and more and more and more why do you think that is because that is the divine play that is the most perfect thing that can happen there's nothing more perfect than the illusion of separation that's the most beautiful thing for something that's in essence alone or yeah it's like uh it's a singularity right Mm -hmm. and it would be like Imagine if a singularity could veil itself from itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's what this that's is. That's kind of what we're that is what this getting is. at, right? And is there's nothing the as truth cool from itself. as this. Exactly. Right. So this is yeah. the trick that we're playing on ourselves yeah. Yeah. to do. Yeah. That's, yeah. Kind of, that's kind of how I see it. I guess yeah. I just never thought it to the point that made me uh, question everything so, so much. But yeah, I mean... That's what I would do. If I was alone all the time, I'd get two action figures and split my consciousness so that I'd have a buddy. <laughs> right? Because the essence of the center point it's of all things. Refracted like a prism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White light into all of these different combinations of creation designs. Uh, it is kind of like if you have ultimate truth is the white light yeah. hitting this creation. Exactly. It creates all these refractions of itself. That's wild, man. And that's why I put all of this stuff into high-level perception. Yeah. Right? And so that's I'm why... you reading have, through it. Well, yeah. Bit. Yeah, that's why you have things like, you know, like this design here, which is that's why that top, you know, that top left corner is that. It's the it, prism. Ultimate is, truth refracted becomes... All of these different combinations of realities that are mm-hmm. illusory dreams that then have these illusory separate agents immerse themselves into it like a symphony that only has one attractor which is for the recursion process to happen 
which is for there to be more exploration to happen. So non-duality is constantly expressing itself and then creating more and more and more expressions of the play of the divine. There's just so much divine play happening across creation designs that it's so difficult for us to be able to even portal inward into that. That's why when we talk about things like the multiverse or when we talk about things like quantum mechanics, when we talk about all is energy, all is no thing, what's happening is we're recognizing that there's more and more of a an, a quote Atlas or a quote Tyler that are across all of these different, if you slow down enough, you can basically hear the forking. If you slow down. Oh, enough. like when the idea that every time yeah. a decision's made, it splits into multiple realities, right? Yep. Yeah, well, that's something I, I think, I mean, there's so much science to back that theory up, not to prove it, but to back it up. Yep. That there's the endless multiple realities yeah and that that's the point right whether yeah. or not you got that croissant this morning but wait then wouldn't that mean that you have some sort of agency or is that just two different versions of the play that it's playing out at the same time just to see what happens it's running a simulation is is in essence what you're saying it wants to see everything that can happen just to so it's making it all happen and but then does it does that thing exist? The thing that's doing that? So it, what we're talking about right now, yeah. it does not have an intention. It does not have a meaning. So it's just doing it. Yes. All that exists is this appearance. All that is is this appearance and all that is not at the same time. It's all that is and isn't. And all that isn't is too because there's all the other appearances are happening too but all that there is is the one appearance are all the appearances but none of them are it's like perpetual go. schrodinger's Th cat there you go it's like schrodinger's cat it doesn't matter if the bomb went off or not because they both are happening all the time and no one's there to witness it nobody's here to witness this that's some mind-blowing shit, man. Yeah. Jesus. And that's the last stage so far is that you go from the individual to the ocean, recognizing that you're experiencing the waves. And that's, and that's, that's a profound point because you get there and you're like, holy fuck, this whole time I thought I was a separate egoic entity with 8 billion other separate egoic entities. Right. But now I recognize that literally our consciousness is the ocean and it's shared. See, I like living there. And living this there is... This next spot yeah. you go to is where, is where I'm like, I don't know how much I like this next jump you take. See, I like living at all is one. Yeah. Isn't it pretty cool? It's comfortable for sure. Yeah. It's very comfortable. This body isn't where I begin or end. But then yeah. you're like, whoa, this I thing, bro. Yeah, which I That's just the got lie. to. Which I also just got to. It's not even that it's a lie. It's just that it's an illusion. It's an appearance. It's a dream. The same way that when you Well, a lie would imply intention, I guess. Something so like that. When, when, you, when you sleep 
at night and you dream, you manifest this reality that has this character. Tyler's sleeping at night in his bed and he dreams that he's a vampire or something. That he's a vampire that's flying through London in the 1700s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, does London or the vampire or any of the experience actually exist? No. And this is... Okay, I got you. And this is that. I got you. I got you. And so it's cool for us to recognize that we are the dream of God's source, the infinite non-duality, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. We are the dream of that. And it's totally cool for the dream to express itself in all of these cool ways. Just like when we dream, we express ourselves in all of those cool ways. Right. But to not forget that this is a dream. Well, I told my wife this the other day. I said... What if I just kidnapped you last night and placed all these memories in your head? How would you know? Like I have this special machine and it replaces all it replaces all your memories. Those photos are just what happens when your brain looks at your Instagram. Like what if I programmed you this way? What if you were born yesterday and I programmed you this way? Do you really remember yet? Like I have these and memories. That's why they say the now just simply this simply now yeah because yeah. do you really i have these memories and i'm just aware of false memories and i go half of these have to be fake right at least yeah. like a bunch of them a bunch of them not not like i'm doing it on purpose yeah. but it's just it's so much in your day-to-day -day life just fucking live the dream this is my this is for this is for me just live in the dream and keep your memories you know it's easier that way you know I mean, but I, I get what you're saying. It's good to kind of recognize as far of the, uh, as much truth as you can. But it's good to live in the dream too. Yep. It's good. And that's why it's all perfect. So this expression that is going, oh, this is the pinnacle of the mountain. Have you, have you ever heard me once say that everybody should go up this path no that's what otherwise that's what, i'd be like hey this guy's yeah, fucking, fucking dangerous. crazy <laughs> dangerous, <laughs> I'd be dangerous. Like, i've seen scientology yeah, i was next to that this guy's building. a cult leader yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly and no. so that's the that's the fine line is when you recognize that it's actually not about everybody experiencing this no exactly it's actually this is already perfect it's already perfect everywhere where everybody is have you seen tenet movie yeah What's that about? Tenet. It's the new Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's the oh, way sure. that it deals with reality is just interesting. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but everything is a closed loop in Tenet. It always happened that way. It was always going to happen that way, but they needed to participate for it to happen that way. But they were never not going to participate. The way that they work with time in that there's no there's no room for agency. Like if you watch, I've seen it like three times now, and if you watch it, there's no room for agency. The characters have absolutely no agency over what happened otherwise none of it would have ever happened because there'd there'd be a situation where it didn't happen which would stop it from happening which you know nolan nolan's one christopher nolan's like that mainstream guy that's kind of exploring Yo, these he's thoughts so good at here yeah. well and he's yeah. exploring these thoughts exactly. in, a, in yeah. a visceral way yeah. and in a way where i'm always interested to know how much of the perennial wisdoms of the spiritual traditions that they've studied 
because this is so deeply aligned mm -hmm. with it. Like Kubrick's similar too, but Kubrick's he similar. he was known to be into this shit. Yeah, you know he 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 spent a lot of time on this. And like, Carl Jung. Yep, like probably the quintessential example is the. Of this being explored in film? In film. Into the Void? No, it's no. um, also with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, um, Inception? Inception is probably right. the quintessential example they don't know the difference. And you don't know yeah. if you're in a dream. Ultimately, yeah. you can look at that. And then The Matrix is another quintessential example of it as well. The, the Matrix is a little more finite, right? Because they, but then they're in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Inception and Matrix are pretty. That's close. another. Yeah. The Matrix is another one. Simulation theory is commonplace today, but the first time anyone heard about it that I'm aware of was, was in a fucking movie. Was in a movie exactly. And you know, look at how that projected. And Inception, he's he spins the top. He doesn't care if he's in a dream. He hits that point. That's one way to look at it. I think that exactly, his exactly. That's <laughs> the way to answer it. You don't care anymore because you finally fucking got it. Now, from here on, all that you do is just be. That's it. Now that you got it, just be. The illusion is no longer going to tempt you with, ah, come and get my physical object because it's what's going to make you happy, which is beautiful. Well, or or the. But or the obsession of whether or not he's dreaming, right? He or gives up on that because yeah. oh, this lives, is real. Or it's he lives not in real. a dream it's forever. It feels like forever because they're it. stuck in the dream. They get they get out, and she is so overwhelmed, thinking she's trapped in a dream. The only way to wake up is to die, so she kills herself. <laughs> now, is he trapped in a dream? I guess he gets the best. He gets the best result, which is. Um, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do. This is fine. Like this is this whatever. I'm I'm sick of again that's trying it. to figure that's it the, out. That's the wisdom, and that's the wisdom. There's literally nothing to do. It's already perfect. It's but, already whole. See, I think, and then the duality is oh, there's suffering. We should go and eradicate that suffering, or people should pierce the veil and they should real realize God. You know, that's the duality. Yeah, which is a concession. It has its truth in its layer. Yeah, you kind of have to live the duality, you know? Because if... Again, the simultaneity is where you transcend both of those into one. You transcend both of those into one. You're not doing anything. There is nobody it's here... It's doing you. It's doing you. It's doing you. And the more that you... And you're just The there. more that you get to that mountaintop, the more that you recognize that there is nobody here doing anything. Right, but the extent to which you are there doing it, you're just along for the ride. Yeah. If that. Well, whatever the ride is. Whatever, right. Yeah, exactly. That's some trippy... Man. We've had a good last, like, 30-plus minutes talking about this. I've, I've taken it. acid and not tripped out that hard. Jeez Louise. Man. Isn't that fascinating that these non-dual perennial wisdoms are more trippy than entheogens than yeah. psychedelics yeah absolutely. that's fascinating you can literally be quote sober and be more high than oh, any than any yeah. entheogen which meditation's is done that for me a small handful of times yeah likewise Maybe this many i don't know likewise yeah like um you don't need 
those substances or meditations or anything. Just get one thing they're really good for is they do show you. They, it's a oh. good entry point because you see oh. the you see the world in a different way. The gondola ride, as yeah, you said. the gondola ride. Yeah. It's easier to know how to get up the mountain when you've taken the gondola over it. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. If you've seen the top and then you're like, wait, I went down there. Wait, I, why can't I get off the gondola? And then you get to the bottom and you're like, I got a hike. Yeah, I got a hike to get to the peak. There you go. All this work, and then exactly. that's usually where most people stop. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, okay, I was imagining that. So. Yeah. Yeah, this has been wild. Which is what happens when you take that entheogen and you're at the peak in the gondola. What has happened? Is there a Tyler? No, there is no Tyler. No, the first time I, I took a strong entheogen, I thought I was Neil Cassidy. I thought I was another dude entirely. But that's a, that's a different story. I was on the street where he was born. I was reading all the books about him, the Kerouac novels. And I'm like, I'm fucking Neil Cassidy. <laughs> I guess that's how um, that's how malleable reality is, right? Or your sense of self is that given the right circumstances and the right pick me up, you won't even think you're you. You'll be like, I'm this other guy. So, and that's that's what acting is. It's tricking yourself. I'm this other guy. So, in a controlled way, yeah, yeah, wild, super wild. awesome. And I'm curious also as to how many actors and actresses and directors and producers and all these people that are here, celebs, influencers, all these people that are here. I'm curious how many of them have both breached any aspects to the investigation inward of consciousness, of non-duality, God, source. Okay, but as a percentage... Are we saying it's like tons as in like 10% is a lot out of all of them? Is that what we're saying? Out of actors? Oh, out of all of the kind of like Hollywood vibed people. Yeah, all the creatives? Sure. Okay, so maybe not your... All the creatives, I, I'd say it's pretty high. I'd, the, I think... how, how high? Mm, shit. 60? No. Yeah, yeah. That have, really? That have started it? They've, oh, that have oh they've went up to like level one or two up the mountain. I think they've got gotten to Ohm. I think most have gotten. to Okay, Ohm. they've gotten to Ohm, but they haven't made that home. No, I think they get to Ohm, Ohm, and then they go, "That's pretty cool. I want to make movies," and then they stop caring. I think. Okay, I th that's interesting. Got it. So that's what you meant by sixty percent. Got it. Yeah. And I was saying ten percent actually got to Ohm, and then we're like, "This is fucking insane. I want to know more about what Ohm actually is." And then they get to that true source as a home, and then go from there. Yeah, which, the yeah. source might be. 30% get to the source. You think 30? The, the concept of source, if not higher. Because the I think one of the big driving factors that lead people to do art is that they're just so discontent with reality. And so they're, they're the ones asking all the questions. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones asking all the questions, and they're the weird kids in high school totally. taking all the Those psychedelics. Yeah. 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 So they're all the people that want answers outside of what's happening around them. Because usually growing up, it's... Uh, a pain a painful experience reality is painful right so i would think that it's higher than you know and then the next think. question would be how many of their managers and agents are cool with them com coming coming on to a, a long form podcast to talk about these things <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Really? Uh, no, well, probably well, higher amount. Because because how many people go Look on like... Look at what Gwyneth Paltrow's reps let her do. You know, she's she's all about this kind of stuff. Oh, oh, Maybe not so deep. And what about uh, Duncan Trussell and Russell Brand? They have a lot of people coming on their programs. Yeah, that's true. That are that are they're talking about subjects like that. That's true. Well, new age new age thinking is pretty pretty in vogue. So, I bet you could get a lot of them. The other thing is that, a but lot you of did say zero at first, which was interesting. That want them to not that want them to, yeah. but that no want them to. It's because because didn't you say that unless we have a direct in to them which usually sometimes i found that they have their emails littered over the place in different places and i'm able mm -hmm. to send them a direct message about yeah. it um which usually that'll be intercepted too but yeah exactly they've got you know um yeah, yeah. you know the rep the rep might uh uh they'll, they'll they, they might bring it up to them they might not you know a lot of times if something doesn't seem worth yeah because the they're like time, they're just gonna be like yeah why would i want my client to go and talk about consciousness and non-duality what any benefit does this have and then the selling point is actually this example of them coming on the program to do that has the most benefit for their own personal happiness and flourishing as well as for everything they touch downstream I think the reps, that's the selling point. I, th I think a rep is going to be more like, um, is this going to hurt their career, or is this going to help it? And that, that's, that's and what that's, they're going to care and, about. And, and the, the the illusion is that it's going to hurt because it has some sort of negative detrimental effect on their egoic presence, where whereas it actually benefits a lot. It's actually quite fascinating the the backwardsness which is part of the perfect perfection of it all one thing um one thing i've kind of noticed just watching is that a lot of a lot of people and maybe it's the air of mystery or something that you you probably want to maintain as an actor i think a lot of reps just even with a long form podcast might be a little more skeptical but one person I would start out off with is Gwyneth Paltrow. That's what I'd yeah. start with. Because if you could get in yeah. touch with her. We will. We will, yeah. Because she's already on this boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. She's already in a similar exactly. atmosphere. And she's... So she's is on Oprah. A, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. But, yeah. um, sorry, I, I, I mostly just look at actors. But yeah. uh, they're, they're both two people that are already trying to bring these thoughts trying to bring these ideas these new approaches into the lime into the light so, so. is russell brand duncan Trussell. yeah russell brown's a huge one and duncan trussell as well yeah yeah so and yeah, even, i think you i'll think you'll be able to get some of them those there. are yeah that's that's kind of the core audience of of um of it but also these kind of like david dobrik's and stuff like that <laughs> logan paul's that kind of stuff because if if we can in a sense also get to which they have already been expressing interest in consciousness and these types of things yeah. slowly. But when you get to them as well, what ends up happening is it's again, it's just that butterfly effect out that happens. You know, I was watching one of David Dobrik's videos and he literally said in one of his videos, he said that none of this is real. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's already there in his own way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's fascinating to one yeah. time when I was in high school and I was. I was a. Uh, doing a lot of stuff psychedelics and stuff i just like jump on a table i just start screaming can't you see can't you see it's all an illusion wow can't you see 
wow. and I just screaming it. And then these people just started applauding. Wow. Yeah. And I'm in this big park back when people used to go to parks and they'd be full of people. I just jump on this picnic table. Can't you see? It's all an illusion. It's all made up, man. So I think a lot of people have hit that, touched that. I just don't know if they've yes. grounded there. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. How old were you? Like 16. That's probably. so interesting. Yeah. And you just got up onto in the park. Yeah, there was this park, park. with my friend. Yeah. Maggie. God bless her. I love her. And um, you're just in the middle of the peak of your trip? No, no, no. I wasn't even tripping, dude. I was sober. Oh. But I... I oh, it was around the time that you were doing Oh, that. I was just super into this yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. I was just reading all the Hunter S. Oh, Thompson but that's books. so cool. I was reading all the books. I was yeah. doing all yeah. the... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, the yeah. electric Kool-Aid acid test. I was like, we need to get a bus. We need to yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. you've read, have you read that? The electric Kool-Aid acid I've test? Heard, heard. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's an all right book. The idea of what the Merry Pranksters was doing was cool, but I was so into that and I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I just jump up on this table. Can't, Can't you see? Can't you see? It's all an illusion. I'm just like, none of it's real. Screaming it. And then yeah. these college kids are jogging and they just, yeah. And I was yeah. like, damn. And they're like, damn, they've done this before. They know yeah, exactly. This is yeah, yeah. Exactly. Denver, yeah. I mean, they're about to legalize See, mushrooms in Colorado. So. Yeah, and Oregon already did. And uh, Didn't they? They decriminalized everything, right? Yeah, and yeah. they, yeah, and now. That's smart. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so much. I think that's smart. Everyone's like, whoa, everyone's going to do heroin. Like, everyone was already doing heroin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now well, they just don't go to jail. Netherlands. I mean, there's so many examples yeah. of this flourishing. Um, Tyler Morrow, holy shit! Yeah. What a fucking blast, we like bro! Two over two what we thought. Wow, bro, good job. Yeah, good job to you, sir. Dude, this was a good one. <laughs> that was that was that was a lot more than I thought. It was it was a lot. It was good. It was really. It was good. really yeah, good. Yeah. I really uh, had a great time. Thank you, bro. Yeah, yeah. likewise. We I went hope. into all the acting and filmmaking stuff. We went into all of this metaphysical stuff. It was really solid. Oh yeah, super solid. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, you know, I was kind of, I was expecting it, you know, light, lighter. I'm glad, it, you know, we went the third degree. We yeah. went the extra mile. We I think. It. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Alice. Thank Holy you for having shit. me. So and thank fun. you guys. Thanks for everyone for tuning watching in. Watching it. Yeah. We greatly appreciate. It. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know how you feel about what we unpacked on the program about acting, filmmaking, metaphysics, all that stuff. Also, like the video if it brought you value. Subscribe if you haven't. Share the video with other people that you feel would resonate. Check out the links in the bio below to Tyler's IMDb. Also, go follow him on Instagram and check out his it. films. Yeah, check out his films as well. The links are in the bio below. And that's all. Indescribable perfection. Indescribable perfection, man. Thank Much you, love. Put my shoes back on. Peace. Got a little sweaty next to the fire.